While the vaccines provide strong protection for the vaccinated, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. We can get there with vaccines. We can end this thing. But many people are still hesitant to get that jab. Defiance, defiance against vaccines and get the jab or risk losing your job. That's the ultimatum facing. The 1.2 million Victorians that cannot work from home. What do you think would be the new rule to require vaccination on all NHS staff? enact those vaccine mandates. I really feel like that is the last tool that we can use. You're not hazardous, go on. So I've had COVID at some point. Yeah. Uh, I've got antibodies. There are no data that prove that vaccine immunity is superior to natural immunity. I do not want to have vaccination. But in fact, there are much uh, data to the contrary. The science isn't strong enough. Literally millions of Americans who are COVID recovered. We take the very best advice that we can. Very solid evidence is demonstrating that these folks are equally, if not better, protected from subsequent infection. On that phone, from the people that are vaccine experts. Yesterday, Twitter deplatformed Dr. Robert Malone in yet another long line of scientists, doctors, and experts who've been silenced during this pandemic. If you make the judgment to not get vaccinated, and you reckon you can wait out us or the publican or whoever you want to think you're waiting out, you won't wait out the virus. Uh, having received two doses, it's a very effective vaccine. They do say that. <laughs> that hasn't proven to me to be true. They are literally in a fantasy world. Getting that third dose is protection against getting infected in the first place. Despite two, three, four doses of the vaccine, uh, it's not so good at preventing infection in the first place. I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection, and I think we overplayed the vaccines. They have one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. Studies showed that immune function among vaccinated individuals eight months after the administration of two doses of COVID-19 vaccine was lower than that among the unvaccinated. Australia this morning, the country now the world leader per capita when it comes to COVID-19 infections. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Have a nice long show probably planned for you today. We'll see if we can get it done under two hours. That opening there was fantastic. Another great video by the Milk Bar TV account from Twitter. From Twitter. I, I've played a few of his clips in the past, just really good, mo- you know, compilations of just what a ridiculous situation that we're in and how dumb this all is, how obvious it all is. And yet somehow it seems to continue. It seems to roll right into the midterm elections. Big surprise. But we're going to talk about a lot of this stuff around the continual loss of whatever slim credibility the CDC might have had left. And they're now just I, I mean, I don't even know what they're trying to accomplish. Another plain equivocating with you know, still keeping things for children, yet allowing adults not to do anything. It doesn't make any sense, and it never made any sense, and that's what everybody's beginning to see, and I'm not even sure how this house of cards is still standing, if it even is. Maybe that's the line in and of itself, as it rolls into monkeypox and whatever else, which we won't be talking about today. There's too many topics to get into. 
But we're going to start with a discussion about Ukraine that really needs to be pointed out. I've mentioned a few times that we get to we really need to make sure people see what is not being talked about right now in Ukraine, which is just one of the many other examples of narratives they spun and shouted down and screamed at you about and censored anybody that challenged. And now is exactly what we said it was in the beginning. Not everybody, but those of us that were being objective and pointing at the facts we could prove. Big surprise. Objectivity and pointing at facts you can prove turns out correct again. What a shock. But the point is that this is happening and now they're just pointing elsewhere while they know the people they were promoting moments ago are killing children in real time, bombing civilian areas in real time, you know, exactly like their allies elsewhere, like in Israel and the government of Israel. But it's constant and you need to know what's happening there. We're going to talk about the changing travel guidelines that are just like this mental gymnastics feat. We're trying to make it make sense while still rolling everything back and admitting that there's no difference between these people or in reality admitting that they argue there's no difference, but the truth being that they're even soft rolling that admission. The reality being it's way worse for those that took this. And we're going to go over this today, but they're trying to act like even between natural immunity, you know, moments ago acting like it was a complete conspiracy theory and now acting like, well, no, a natural immunity may be as good. Nope. Right there. You see, that's them trying to shoehorn in the idea that it's even as good, not happening. Their injection that they're giving people is hurting people's bodies, destroying immune systems. And then even I would even argue, I would say it's arguable that it's even creating a reasonable momentary uh, protection from severe illness. You'll even see people in this field that are on my side with most everything else we're talking about still kind of play that game where they go, well, it does do this and does prevent this for this long. And I don't even know why that's the case, because that's still resting on the same research that we point at. We know they lie about or they fault or they uh, falsified or so on. But all that said, even that taken in conjunction with all the negative side effects that are being proven in real time, there's no way you can argue this thing has any benefit. Like, like let's say it gives you some mild and mild to moderate protection over illness symptoms, but then increases dramatically your mortality for myocarditis and blood clots and strokes. And I mean, come on, let's be real. We can't keep pretend like this pretending like this gives you some level of something when it's just a dangerous substance to begin with. That is the reality of where we are. The peer-reviewed science backs that up. We're going to go over this game they're playing and this sad reality that they're admitting now all these things that we've been talking about. And we've been going over this for weeks now, but this more and more keep showing up as they continue to act like this is nothing new. Now, we're also going to get into a part about cancer that we've discussed before. Swiss Policy Research, one of the earliest ones we talked about, showing you that there's an obvious issue with cancer in in particular, but because of the immune suppression, the lympho, uh, what is it? I have it right here. The uh, lymphocytopenia, right? The idea of this immune dysregulation and what that's actually doing and the admission of all these other problems and a great article from Steve Kirsch and, and, and information to back it up around why, and you know this because we've been talking about it, they're intentionally not looking for what they need to look for to be able to find out if the vaccine is the reason for the things they're seeing. It's very obvious. And this is the the VAERS, like for instance, with VAERS in general, they're not even researching or looking into most of these and acting like if they don't look at them, therefore they're unverified, therefore they're not real, which is just child logic. But the point Steve's pointing out in his article is there's real time, like, To go back to the Pittsburgh medical examiner I reference often from early on, 2020, that argued that if you have no clear example of what caused the problem you're looking at, and you know there was an injection involved before this happened, it's usually no symptoms or no example of what caused it is usually a good indication it was the vaccine. 
because vaccine injury is very hard to prove, even with autopsy. That was the lead medical examiner that said that. But now you're not allowed to say things like that. Steve's point is that there are now become very clear markers you can look for for exactly that problem that very clearly have like a 93% success rate of finding the real culprit. And they're choosing not to do that. Gee, I wonder why. La, 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 la. I don't want to see what's happening, right? We keep seeing this everywhere and it's embarrassing. And then we're going to talk about natural immunity and how that's also coming around, which is again, one of the most ridiculous of every one of their sycophants out there have been screaming and shouting down anybody about natural immunity. And now they're going, well, yeah, it it does work now. (laughs) Now it does only now, not moments ago. And we're also going to talk about Moderna seemingly admitting to throwing away 30 million of their doses and arguing that they just have a problem with basically selling you on the need for these things and how they're pushing campaigns to increase demand. It's like the only reason that even that statement makes sense to people today is because they argue it's altruistic and because we're all going to die if we don't. And that's not the reality. Before all of this, if you had vaccine companies speaking publicly about using propaganda to push your opinion of whether you need something, that would have been unexpeakable. But today, in COVID clown world, it completely makes sense. And we're going to finish with a discussion of the Great Reset and where this goes and how all that translates into what is currently still building out in front of you, which I've taken, I've been doing lately because it's an important way to tie all this together to see where this is leading, at least in one part. But to start, to give a shout out to the account that put this out there, Milky, uh, Mil- what is it? Mil- the Milk Bar TV. Uh, it's, it's, I don't really know if there's other work that I haven't seen or, you know, whatever, but the work they put out in general around COVID-19 has been fantastic. The videos are solid and I just want to give them a shout out, but it's a really great little clip because it really does show you how ridiculous this has all gotten. I want to start with one quick point about the Trump discussion and this Viva Frey is doing a good job keeping up on this in general. I thought this was pretty suspicious. He says, hold a second. The justice department, I love it in quotes, made a motion to unseal the warrant. And list of items seized, but they want to keep the affidavit in support of the warrant sealed. Nothing fishy about that. I agree. That's ridiculous. I mean, again, that's the illusion of transparency. Clearly, there's something going on there. I, you know, and may, I, this is unknown is the real point. But it does speak to dishonesty, which is not a big surprise for the FBI or the Depar- Justice Department or any of them. But as you can see, it says here they oppose unsealing the affidavit. We'll see how tr- what Trump weighs in with and so on, you know. Beginning to see this story, I mean, at least in my circle, drift a little bit into the background. The point is I, I kind of feel like nothing. this is going to end up being a big bunch of showy talk and moves and actions, and, but nothing will really happen in regard to accountability and, or, or, if he, or the FBI being exposed for lying or however that goes, which will scream to me, this was just meant to be a big show that distracts you from everything else. Now, I don't, I'm not saying I think that or I know that, but that's a thought I had about possibilities because that's how these things work. Look at the Clinton situation. Same idea. All the, remember the, the two guys from Boston that came out with just a, a mountain of evidence that proved that they were doing pay for pay to play and all sorts of really high level criminal activity with the Clinton Foundation, testified to it, proved it in front of Congress, and then nothing happened. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Not to say that this is even comparable, to be quite honest, but I tend to see how these things go with people in these positions. This is, you know, the people that want to believe one side or the other is fighting for you won't hate it because I attack both sides. But the point is, that's what this stuff tends to be. And I'm hoping more and more people are starting to see that. But maybe he's innocent and maybe he's a victim. And if he does, I'll point that out or if it is. But let's be objective until we get there. Lastly, and this is the point that I make on top of all of that, even though I see how that's used and don't trust Donald Trump and don't think any party's on your side, I 100% believe that they're trying to frame and trap 
in trap the MAGA QAnon conservative movement. I've been saying that for the whole Ukraine and, and the, the Nazis over there and the rise above movement here and how they're connected and how they're trying. I mean, all of it connects. I've been making this clear for a long time and ideas that they're building that to be able to use them to frame and uh, get, well, use them really against Russia, but also use that to frame the people here that they're calling Nazis as they literally are Nazis, which is embarrassing. But the point is they're trying to create a situation where people perceive the middle ground and the left perceive people that are in that movement as lone shooter terrorists or however they're trying to make that idea stick. I think January 6th was one of the first attempts to trick them into doing something so they could blame them for it. And they used it anyway, even though it failed. Here's an example of how I see this going. This is absolutely mind blowing. This person says, imagine thinking for imagine thinking protesting for your freedoms is a mock disaster scenario. That's what this is. This is beyond embarrassing. Pearson Airport conducted a mock emergency training exercise that included simply paid employees yelling freedom and holding Trump 24 signs. I mean, this is just, I mean, this is real, guys. This is not some Babylon B. They literally conducted an entire scenario, a a mock disaster scenario, emergency, they call it, because people were yelling freedom and holding Trump signs. Like, not only does this conflate the idea that freedom is somehow a bad Trump thing, which is just so dumb, aimed at the lowest common denominator, people that will be scared away from the idea of freedom just because it's associated with Trump. By the way, sort of like scaring people away from the word sustainable by claiming it's about the World Economic Forum, even though they're not really doing that. See the whole play? It works on all sides. But the point here is that if you're framing this as a disaster, an emergency, first of all, even if this group was the biggest terrorist group, the idea that that's an emergency for people protesting, holding signs and saying things. That guys, that's that's a literal protest. The argument they're trying to create is that those things then become dangerous things. Therefore, we have to call those things problems. This is the idea of saying your speech is dangerous because it leads to violence. This is the way they attack your rights. You you're saying you don't have a right to stand there and protest? Not if you're a Trump supporter. I mean, think about how crazy that is. But then the idea of using this to create emergencies. So now people protest, they declare an emergency. Then do you see, see where this is going? But guys, you need to see how this is focused and trained in on specifically Trump, specifically MAGA, QAnon, and I see this building. Now, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But my God, I hope they don't take the bait, especially with what might happen in the midterms. But this is pretty crazy, and it's stupid. At its core value, a core level, the idea that people chanting freedom and holding any sign is somehow an emergency, and they need to train for it. And, oh, the last point, by the way, I'm glad I didn't forget this. What this also shows you on top of all of that is the illusion that these training exercises are about anything other than planting ideas in your mind and letting and and social engineering and predictive programming, sort of how they can have like 11 million disaster preparedness plans for viruses and then every single time have nothing ready like they said they should in the planning exercises. <laughs> we can't miss how dumb that is. What do they what do they find event 201? We need more masks, we need more beds, we need more this. every single thing they thought they they said that they needed, they had time to do, nothing happened, and then when it started, they said, "Oh my god, we're short on this. We don't need that." Well, gee, then what was the point of the exercise to let you think that? And it just you don't act like it was too short of a time frame. They did the same thing in Crimson Contagion and in Dark Winter and every other one they did before this, and never did they and they always fall into the same trap of going, "Oh, look, we're not ready." It's all an illusion, guys. You're being played into thinking this is something. Now, going into the foreign policy point, because because this is incredibly important, and it's just so 
heartbreaking to see how what's happening here. As Steve Clark points out, and I've been mentioning other shows, including this show, so far not one UK newspaper, and as far as I can tell, one US paper either, has covered the dropping of pedal mines by Ukraine on into streets of Donetsk. If it had been Russia, it would be on every single front page. Now, just so you know, Ukraine is arguing Russia did it and they're framing us, which is usually what they was been said, which usually what has been said thus far. And as always, I've said certainly possible, like in the very beginning when it was all about all about false flags and they're going to frame us. Remember, remember the U.S. pushed that out right in the beginning, because just like always, the U.S. steps up and sets the table without any evidence. We this is that and this is China did it from Wuhan and Trump said they always set the tone before we have any evidence. And that carries the that carries over every time. The point is what has actually happened over and over and over and over and over multiple times. The Ukraine government has been caught, in fact, framing and lying about things, and they just jump to the next story. Or, you know, like the entire argument about Russian raping children. And they go, oh, yeah, 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 she made that up. And it was fake news. And they just, they, nobody reported that. Where's all the corporate media going? We're sorry. We completely carried a totally bunk story this entire time. Most of them continued saying that out of the side of their mouth well past when they knew it was fake. The point is, this is very clearly being done by Ukraine. And it's, there's, no sh- there's no doubt here. It has, if it had been Russia, they would have been talking about it constantly. Even if Ukraine had suggested it was, they'd be talking about it. And by the way, that is what they're doing. The only coverage you will see is suggest is Ukraine suggests or says this is Russia. It's an example of how they are not reporting, but cheerleading. Eva Bartlett says, even with warning, these nefarious pedal butterfly mines dropped by Ukraine on Donetsk are hard to see and easy to miss. Ukraine is committing war crimes against the civilians of Donbass and has been for eight years plus. The point is now they're they're just straight up punishing people with the funding and arming of the U.S. government. There is literally no possible way Ukraine can come out of this ahead unless other countries just literally step in place with them. That's not happening. Not yet. So right now, all they're doing is dumping your money and arms into really dangerous people's hands and letting them attack civilians over and over. Weird. Just like Afghanistan, just like Syria, just like everywhere else they do this. What a surprise. And you can see these horrible these mines being placed in these spots. Now, the point is, she wrote a great article about this. The West is silent as Ukraine targets civilians in Donetsk using banned pedal mines. And they're banned, just like many other situations where we see white phosphorus used, which they've already used, or other kinds of cluster bombs, which they've already used. Weird how this happens every time a U.S. ally is involved, or Israel's involved for that matter, which is also a U.S. ally. Read it for yourself, though. It's pretty horrific stuff. She points out, just pretty much thanks, Carlos, for making this graphic so people can kind of see it. I mean, this is what we're talking about. This, you know, children, un, you know, unawares walking upon this and, and killing them. It's horrific. And she says, thank you for this. These mines are terrifying. At least 41 civilians have lost part or all of their feet or legs. Also some injuries to hands, face, abdomen by one who tries to move the mine. They're incredibly difficult to see. How horrific. Now, one thing I want to point out is that it, one common thread you've seen from the very beginning don't forget how that Wall Street Journal article, I don't have it saved because other computer, but the point is that they've reported that they were moving. Let me see if I can actually grab it. Let's see. We'll do Wall Street Journal, Soviet weapons, Ukraine. See if it comes up. Come on, come on, come on. There we go. Beautiful. So this already came out right in the beginning. U.S. is sending Soviet air defense systems and secretly acquired to Ukraine. Now you read it, you read this whole thing. It's not just air defense systems. They're talking about just in general weapons, right? So that's how we've seen numerous times these weapons used, old Soviet weapons that Russia's really not using anymore. You can prove that they use. And then go Russia, because Soviet. (laughs) 
And it's very clumsy and very transparent. The same thing happens in, in Iran and, and with, with Israel and the United States where they say, oh, they're using Katusha rockets. Must be them. Must be Iran. They don't even use those anymore. It's ridiculous. But they can say it because they put the narrative down that these things are Iranian, even though they're not used over Iran anymore. Same point. So I made this clear with many other examples. Here's another one. These mines they're using, these called butterfly mines or, or petal mines, well, guess what? They're old mines of the Soviet and Russian production. Arguably, they're not being used by Russia anymore. Certainly could be. Here's what it says down here. And this is very important to understand because only one side of this has been deliberately not getting rid of the things they were supposed to in this regard. Nobody in the corporate media talks about this. And this is on Wikipedia for crying out loud. It says Ukraine stated that its stockpile of PFM1 mines, these butterfly mines in 1999 was 6 million units. In a November 2008 presentation, Ukraine indicated that it had destroyed a little over 100,000 of them per the convention in 1999. So not as many as they were supposed to. On September 1st, 2012, a three-way agreement between Ukraine, NSPA, and the EU was signed, which, fig uh, which, which uh, figure figured that the EU would, would provide 3,689 million euros for the destruction of 3.3 million mines. So first realized they gave them $3.5 million, $3 million for the assumption they would destroy these mines, like that cost all this money to destroy them, which I guess it would cost some money. But in 2013, the assistance they provided in the destruction of, of only 300,000 mines. In 2014, Ukraine submitted a document in the Mine Bay Treaty Third Review Conference stating that it had destroyed 500,000 plus mines since the ratification, with an additional 576 in 2014. Wow. Leaving its stockpile at a very small 5,434,672. After failing to adhere to the Ottawa Treaty deadline, which was November 2018, on the destruction of its anti-personal mines, Ukraine simply requested the deadline be extended until June 1st, 2021, later asking for further extension on June 8th, 2020. The effort for the destruction of sizzled, that has sizzled out towards 2019-2020. What a weird surprise with only 67,236 destroyed in 2019. In 2020, Ukraine refused to destroy anymore. So they played this whole thing out, got all sorts of money, and kept acting like they were doing it, and then finally said, you know what, never mind, screw it, we're not going to do it. What a big surprise. Which, by the way, should not really surprise anybody because they've continued to be dishonest about most of what they're doing, and weird is not a surprise at all, seeing as how who is really puppeteering this puppet government the very group that is the most dishonest around the world right now, which is your U.S. government, continuing to lie and spread misery and destruction under guise of spreading freedom. Guys, this is what has been happening. And here's an obvious example. The point is, in 2021, Ukraine's PMF-1 stockpile is reported at 3,363,828 mines with no further submissions of their destruction. So all this game they played for the idea that they would get rid of all of them Still leaves them with over 3.3 million mines they still have. And yet right now they're going, Russia did it. It's not us. I mean, this is this is the absolute willful failure of the corporate media in stuff just like this. Publicly available information that they don't even care to point at. It makes you sick, doesn't it? Because these are the people that your tax dollars are supporting pretty much anywhere you are right now. Now, it says following up on Ukraine's bombing of a detention center, which was another discussion we already had, which was them verifiably. And yet they say it's Russia and the media says they said that. And that's where the story ends for the corporate media, where they killed 53 POWs, U Ukrainians that were going to be tell had lots of things to say about what was actually happening. The burned corpses and smell of death still strong when she visited the bombing. You know, a real journalist actually going to see what happened. Now, 
this person wrote an article here, which you should read. I was going to get into it a bit, but it's a long and in-depth article. I want to do it justice. So I might go over it again later, but just make sure you read it because it's very unsettling to see what is right now happening that none of the corporate media even cares to tell you about while they pretend what they care about is the very people that these people are killing. It's just, it's, it's very counterintuitive and it shows you who they really are. Now, here's another part. You know, these sea mines that we've proven to you many times have been planted by Ukraine that Ukraine admitted to, to the corporate media. And then when it suited them, the, the corporate media just argued it was Russia that did it with no evidence. I mean, it's very dumb and flimsy. But the point is, it's beyond a doubt that the Ukraine military planted these with an effort to stop Russia from coming in. It was very public. It's, it's almost embarrassing that they could even have tried to make the argument that it was Russia. I argue they just got told to say that, and they, that's what their job is, so they repeated it. But here's an interesting part about this. Here's video, by the way. And there, Of course, the people that don't want to believe are going to say, well, that Russia planted them, but that's not true. It's verifiable. These sea mines are endangering people in Odessa beaches, just average people. You know, the same Ukrainians that they're pretending they're trying to protect. Two people were killed, in fact, and two were injured in this region when another sea mine planted by Ukrainian militants exploded. I mean, look at this. I mean, this is the crazy stuff that they don't care about the safety of the very people they're arguing they're protecting. Get a better shot of it right here. Look at that. Isn't that crazy? You're just out there for a nice day and boom, all of a sudden the mine goes off and kills your family. You know, this is what Ukraine has been doing in this area. Now, here is an example of a German journalist. Another journalist who was happy to speak on the record about what's actually happening, who covers events in Donbass and had to leave Germany, her home, for Russia after threats came to her house from Ukraine. She had to escape because the German authorities closed her bank account. So the German authorities playing their role. One day she couldn't pay with a card or withdraw money. And here is her and her mom. You can watch the video for yourself explaining what happened. Right? This is what happens to honest people or at the very least people reporting of the story that they don't want you to hear. Right? And they'll cry foul about journalists anywhere in the United States, at the very least, being told they're fake news. Oh, it hurts your feelings. I'm being targeted. How about when you literally get threatened for literally reporting the facts on the ground? That's being targeted to these, you know, fluffy, woke, snowflake type reporters on any side out there that are acting like they're being targeted for literally being called what they actually are doing. But this is horrific, guys. This is what's happening. Their families get threatened at their homes. Alfred Desais, one of the, you know, a former UN expert on the promotion of a democratic and equitable international order. He writes in his, in his tagline, he's been somebody who's been speaking up for these kind of things for a very long time about foreign policy and telling you exactly what's really going on. He says a new world order is in the making and it was not Russia that destroyed the old. The U.S. and its allies are to blame for instrumentalizing existing international organizations, including the Human Rights Council and destroying all trust in their impartiality. I mean, it's that he, you know, whether he believes that this is transitioning to something that's good, he sees what has happened that got us here. And that's what's important. Now, I honestly don't, I, based on what his previous work was, I don't believe he thinks what's happening is the right direction, but that's up for him to discuss. The point is here that he sees that this is not something you can dump on, you know, not that Russia didn't have a part to play in this, but what you're watching today is very clearly U.S. and its allies creating this and blaming everybody else around them. Now, here's a good example of the point from before about, you know, the this kind of thing about what Ukraine is doing to its own country in order to fight for a war the U.S. government wants, right? Here is an example of this is a highway that's controlled by the Russian military in Ukraine. And it's not just being repaired or patched up. It's basically being rebuilt from scratch by the repair crews sent from Russia. 
in Ukraine during wartime. Think about how crazy that is. Think about all the times you've seen the U.S. government literally stop still to this day people from rebuilding Syria. Why? Because they never got what they wanted. Because the Assad's still in power and they're a bunch of pouting child children that want to not let anybody else help because we didn't get what we wanted while we steal the oil and burn the wheat fields. Like, it's just so damn obvious who these people are today. But the point is, not to say this means Russia good guy, but the simple reality of the differences in the way they manage these situations, Russia is literally rebuilding the very roads that are being used in a time when you're arguing they're trying to take over the world. Well, gee, I hope they, I mean, it's, it's just such a ridiculous reality. It says the old layers of asphalt have been removed to lay the new road. Russia is serious about uh, basically helping at the end of the day. So this person says, and there's plenty of examples of this stuff you can look up from other independent journalists on the ground. Now, in regard to Syria, Vanessa Bealey writes, gosh, what a surprise. No sanctions for Israel for murdering countless Palestinian children. No sanctions for U.S. stealing Syrian resources. No self-sanctions for genocide in Yemen. Nah, I didn't think so. But what we, what we will do is we must sanction Iran over Salman Rushdie stabbing. Okay, so we're going to go out of our way to continue to highlight Iran, even though there's not. I mean, think about the idea that this is what they're talking about while everything she just discussed is happening. Israel's still bombing in Gaza. We still have things happening in Syria. They're still burning and stealing. For, I mean, my God, Yemen, exactly. Open genocide. And we're going to, I mean, it, it just shows you how flimsy and the, I, I doubt these people are even actually in control. I mean, it's so ridiculous to watch. Mick Wallace points out, well, for, first, Sarah Abdallah points out, Israel just dropped bombs. This is on the 14th. Dropped bombs on Syria again. In yet another unprovoked attack today, there was another one like two days before this, killing three soldiers and wounding many others. And the civilized world barely blinks. Why? Because all oh, soldiers in Iran and the narrative that we think every time they say these things and that makes it okay, right? Are they at war? No. No. Did they declare? No. There's no legal justification for just bombing. I mean, this is the same thing as any country saying Iran's in the United States so we can bomb Florida. That's the same exact thing. Bombing Florida. And oh, Iran's there? Okay, okay. Well, good then. Because Iran's a bad guy. That, I mean, there's no difference. There's no verification. There's no even... The bottom line is they are bombing Syria because there's an agenda to attack and control Syria. And to keep... There's all sorts of things happening. But the bottom line is that this is completely illegal in every possible way. There's no way this makes sense other than we're okay with that illegal action when you do it there. That's it. That's what her point is. And it's embarrassing. And it's dishonest. These people are criminals. So will the European Union and High Representative Joseph Borrell be com condemning this latest act of aggression against Syria by the apartheid state of Israel? Or does the EU think that international law does not apply to Israel? Well, we know the answer to that. Now, lastly, in Ukraine, attack on nuclear power plant by Ukrainian forces. Now, we already we keep telling you this, and this was a conversation we had before about the risk of nuclear fallout. That even Ukraine pointed out, acting like Russia was going to do something, and now they're deliberately bombing and attacking this area. Why? Because Russia has control of it. And so they, the idea being that they were arguing something would happen, and now they didn't let it happen, so now they want to make something happen. That's my opinion of it. But the truth is, this is they're I mean, showing videos of bombing these areas. Ukraine and their big flight, like acting like this is our all big show and they're doing the right by the, you know, their videos propaganda-wise. Meanwhile, if you those that don't think it's happening, here he's openly with the Guardian, of course, because they're happy to give him a big, big standing, you know, here's a soapbox, say whatever you want. Ukraine will target Russian forces at the nuclear plant. 
Right. So it's all about the forces, right? So you were the one crying wolf about them targeting your people there and how that would cause a huge nuclear problem. But then when the story shifts, well, now we're going to target them there, of course, because bad guys. I mean, think about how stupid that is. There is nothing about this that makes sense. Either it's a danger and it was dangerous when they were doing it. And it's also dangerous that you're now doing it or there was never a danger. And you only said it because you're trying to hype a narrative. Either way, they're lying to you or being dishonest. I mean, it's just so frustrating. But my, I genuinely worried about a problem with this happening that they'll try to create and blame Russia for carrying out some kind of an act that would be wildly detrimental to everything they're doing. But narrative wouldn't the, the narrative would go with it. The corporate media wouldn't care. These are the kind of people that your governments are supporting. Terrible, terrible people. This guy in particular put in place by the U.S. government. Verifiably so, guys. This is a puppet. This is a person that got put in power by the puppet government that is completely overrun with fascist Nazi entities. They built for decades now, verifiably on the record. I've proven it to you 10 times over. Let's see if it maybe breaks through the corporate media like the COVID narrative is now. And on that note, let's talk about how ridiculous this is. This is the travel discussion. The travel, uh, what's the term they're using? The restrictions and so on. Like what your guidance is, travel guidance. We already saw how they suddenly on a complete 180 just changed everything on their guidance. Oh, well, no, no, you're both the same now. No big deal. And all the corporate media tries to play it down. Well, not that big of a change, except it's literally the opposite, but no big deal. <laughs> and they removed from their website the idea that the MRA and spike protein stays in your body. Oh, weird. Well, just, just delete it. No, no explanation whatsoever. Well, here on USA Today, CDC says people exposed to COVID-19 don't have to isolate. What does that mean for travel? Now watch, let's walk through this absurdity with me and laugh at it because it is really, really this ridiculous. What they're doing here is embarrassing. First of all, it says unvaccinated Americans don't have to quarantine anymore if they've been exposed to COVID-19. Well, it's, like, it's weird by the way they start that because it doesn't then follow up with vaccinated people. It almost seems to suggest that vac- it's, if they're the same, which is overall, the idea that they're even differentiating between the unvaccinated and vaccinated is interesting to me. I don't mean they're not saying they're the same, but their guidance very clearly implies that. But right there, they don't have to quarantine anymore. So the first question any honest person should have is, well, okay, well, what changed? Where's the, where's the landmark study that changed your perception? Oh, it doesn't exist? You just arbitrarily decided one day to make this different change because you got, yes, that's what's going on. We have been yelling and screaming at you about how, you know, the, the information, from the very beginning, showing you, one, that quarantines aren't effective, two, that these people, that they're at, that they're just because they're unvaccinated does not therefore mean, or the fact that they're exposed to somebody who was told they have COVID does not therefore mean that they're sick. The bottom line is they're treating this like some kind of big problem, and therefore that's what they created in the perception. It's not. This has been about a flu or less since the very beginning. And the data's always been there. That's why they conflated the idea of the elderly with the young. They conflated the idea of these hot spot locations in nursing homes that were only hot spots because of the way that they handled it, because of the way they treated them, made them wear masks, all the different things that happened. Right? They created a situation where they exploded whatever was happening, whether flu, pneumonia, or some phantom COVID-19, and then they evened that out amongst everybody. And of course, they then hyped the numbers using PCR tests and people got in car accidents. We saw how this all happened. So they hyped it up from the very beginning. Now, this says, with limited exceptions, only vaccinated foreign nationals may enter the U.S., but U.S. citizens may enter without being vaccinated. Anyone who explain that logic to me? Are foreign nationals more dangerous? 
Is that only about foreign policy right there? Is that them forcing this on people? I mean, what? how do you make sense of that? Why would U.S. citizens not need to be vaccinated? Yet foreign nationals do, though. So if this is about you in being in danger because we're spreading virus all over, are we less able to spread it than foreign nationals? I mean, my God, guys, this is the stupidest thing in the world. This is like, this is, this is targeting still the foreign nationals, the bad guys, the Iranians. or You know, I, I mean, it just doesn't even make sense to me. It's as simple as that. Either we're all a risk or we're not a risk. There's no difference by nationality in regard to whether they claim you're at risk. Now, as we go through this, please do not in, infer, impli- don't act like I'm implying that this is a danger and so on. This is just going through their narrative. But it says, can I travel if I'm not? Now, here's an important part. Up to date. So even there, I think this is either a fact that they're confused on the terminology or they're trying to conflate these things now. Because guess what, guys? At least on this guidance, up to date, doesn't matter anymore. They've reverted back to fully vaccinated, which means two shots and that's it. So all those people that got tricked into three, four, five, it doesn't matter, apparently. You'll see what I mean. That you should be absolutely livid with that. It means literally it made no difference except it ruined your body. Now it says the CDC now recommends people mask for up to 10 days and test after five days if they're not fully vaccinated, but are exposed to someone who was COVID-19 positive. <laughs> so what, now how does that even line up? You might, you, you'll just, I don't have to keep making the same point. None of this adds up together. One thing is different than the other, and they don't even make sense when you put them next to each other. They're reeling right now. I don't even know if the media is there. I bet you they're frustrated by this. But those that believe it, first of all, masking for 10 days. We're still talking about masks, if you can believe that. Why masks that aren't statistically significant in this transmission means any, it doesn't even make sense, especially when they're pushing N95s that most people don't can't regularly get, especially when those are supposed to be fitted if they're even going to work. I mean, this is so stupid. Then they go back to, guess what, guys? Cloth masks, which they're the ones that many don't work anymore. <laughs> it's just so BS crazy. <laughs> Bat did crazy. It's ridiculous. But they're saying that you're if you're not fully, so if you only have, I guess, one shot and you're exposed to somebody. But if you get two shots, even though that means you're not up to date, you see, right away they shifted away from up to date. They're talking fully vaccinated. Up to date doesn't even come into play after this. But it says this is in line with existing recommendations for people who are fully vaccinated. Okay, so the same thing then. So if you're unvaccinated, you have the same. The point is the people that are vaccinated, even fully, have the same exact guidance to those that have nothing in their body. Which means, guys, that they are ultimately admitting that the vaccine's doing nothing, essentially. At the very least, in regard to the way that they treat you in, in the mandates and the restrictions. But it says, regardless of vaccination status, the CDC advises people who test positive to quarantine at least five days instead of the previous, previous 10. But they're just recommending it, though. Recommending. They're not forcing anybody, so they say. But see, this does not stop businesses and other people that, you know, want to do that from doing it. In regard to, you know, making you go home and so on. That's the problem with this. But traveling by plane to the U.S. And this is where it gets into ridiculous about when they try to explain what it means to be fully vaccinated. Air travel is pretty much back to normal for the U.S. citizens. Again, why that is the thing that goes back to normal first is so ridiculous. Please, again, hear me that I'm not saying we should be going back to quarantine. None of this should have happened in the first place. Nor should we be doing it now. My point is in their argument right before this, we were all in danger. Dangerous Omicron was worse than ever, right? I mean, right up to when they rolled it back, they were going acting like even though Omicron's not as deadly, it's more dangerous for all these other reasons, long COVID and everything else. And then it just falls in its face. They go, never mind, go back to the beginning. <laughs> we'll go back to square one. Let's see if you guys buy that. 
But if air travel is back to normal, you're in a tight enclosed space right next to each other. Why is that the thing that goes back to normal? If we are actually in danger. I mean, this is just so stupid. There are no pre-departure testing requirements for any travelers, right? So not only are you in an enclosed space right next to each other, we're not even going to make sure you're not ill anymore like we have been. And Americans arriving from abroad don't need to show proof of vaccination. The same applies to immigrants and lawful permanent residents, right? So all of them are good. Doesn't even matter anymore. Except though, if you're a foreign national, you still have to show proof of vaccination. Okay, well, who are these these dangerous foreign nationals out there that are, are extra dangerous, so therefore they have to prove they have the thing that nobody else needs anymore, apparently? <laughs> I mean, my God. Anyone want to explain? Am I missing something? Why does that even remotely make sense? And then it says, here's what the CDC counts as fully vaccinated. So again, up to date is not even involved anymore for the purposes of international visitors. Two weeks after your single dose. So at this point, they're going all the way back. If you got the one Johnson & Johnson, you're good. The, the, the injection that's literally being canceled all around the world, or that some people are saying has the highest risk of this and that, which is very clearly Pfizer and Moderna. But the point is their narrative is those are the dangerous ones. AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, I don't know. I wouldn't go, go with the mRNA. But apparently you can still be good to go in all of their, their discussions if you still have one of those shots and you're 14 days later. My God. And then it goes two weeks after your second dose of a two-dose series. Right. So so two doses way back then you, you've got tricked into three, four, five for some people. Doesn't matter, does it? Now you're still now two is enough. Two weeks after you've received the full series of an accepted COVID-19 vaccine in a clinical trial. I don't know why that's included. Two weeks after you received two doses of any mix and match combination. I can't believe they're still saying that. That is by far been the most unscientific thing of this entire discussion. Even the experts spoke up and said, geez, that's like digging your way out of a hole. That is the unscientific. That was one of the people from the UK. And I even laughed about the fact that they actually went with the term mix and match. I use that in my title, making fun of this before that was ever stated. Like a bargain bin, like you're going to the store, oh, it's mix and match, making it seem silly. And they went with that, like a COVID toe. I swear to God, people are watching my show. But mix and match, two injections that are completely different. Different kinds of injections versus like Johnson and Johnson and the mRNA or different holding temperatures, different times in between. But as long as you get it, who cares, right? I mean, my God, these people are criminals. I just can't get past it. But the point is, guys, why does up to date no longer matter? Haven't they been the ones aggressively pushing that on everybody? And now they just revert back to two doses. You're good. Maybe one. No big deal. Just go back to sleep and we'll circle back in about a month and we'll start yelling about you again and tricking you with some new thing. Wow. Well, oh, that's right. I forgot I was going to make that point about the mask. So we're talking masks in here for 10 days. Masking for 10 days. Why 10 days? Why masking? Is there some kind of proof that 10 days is enough and the mask does enough to get that? No, there's no science that guides this. In fact, all of the science is very clear about how it increases your risk and causes all sorts of other problems. We've shown you this many times. Before we show you the clip again, here's Kristen Mag pointing something out. And she's a great little compilation. In our fourth year of disrupted school, 600,000 kids are still in masks. And Philadelphia says pre-K, excuse me, pre-K, pre-kindergarten must mask all year long. Wow. How can they keep demanding children sacrifice when right now adults are back to normal in many places? I mean, think about that. If some of these places don't need to do it, adults, why would they still force the kids? There's some weird and, and just just sinister almost focus on the children, even as we roll back everything for, for, for grownups. 
here. And she goes on to list it all off. It's a great little compilation. But as always, here's the one. And there's so many more than these. If you guys have been watching my show since 2020, at the very least, you've seen me go over just an endless amount of these studies. But these are some of the recent ones. As I said, many peer-reviewed studies show masks can be unsafe and are simply not statistically significant in reducing transmission. And you guys know all this. I've played it many times, but let's play it one more. Just a minute clip. The Fulgen effect. This study revealed that wearing face masks might impose a great risk on individuals. New study, face mask usage correlates with higher death rate, was not able to reduce transmission. Also suggests the universal use of masks may have had a harmful unintended consequence. The carbon dioxide content in inhaled air rises on average to 13,000 parts per million, no matter whether children wear a surgical or a higher level mask. This study, the RAND controlled trial of cloth masks, moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and pore filtration may increase your risk of infection. Cloth masks should not be recommended. In the pooled analysis of everything, we found no significant reduction in influenza transmission with the use of face masks. There is limited evidence for their effectiveness in preventing influenza virus transmission, either when worn by the infected person for source control or when worn by uninfected persons to reduce exposure. Our systematic review found no significant effect of face masks on transmission of laboratory-confirmed influenza. It's just wild to me that we're still here. I mean, I've been knocking this down since the beginning of the very moment this got put out for many reasons, but here we are yet again, and they're still forcing children of all people to do this while they're literally increasing their il their illness, their the risk of infection, creating a situation of, of very clear potential hypercapnia, hypopoxia, or hyper, hypercapnia and hypoxia, and then the reality that these things are creating a situation that, that uh, what was the other part of it? The, uh, I just completely spaced on it. Well, there, there's so many angles to what this is actually doing, but all these, most of these are peer, well, all of them except the article, I don't know why it's listed twice, are peer-reviewed studies. And they're finding the mask, oh, that's what it was, the Fogan effect, literally creates the very problem they're saying that, that this thing is, where, where whether it creates the, the aerosolization in the mask that you then breathe back in. I mean, it's just very obvious how this is a problem, but it's still going anyway. And then lastly, this says, the world's rivers, streams, oceans, lands, birds, fish, and other wildlife are being hit with a toxic tsunami of discarded COVID masks containing plastic and other contaminants, which, by the way, also gets breathed in. Microplastics, we've gone over that too. There's a thousand angles to this that I even forget. I'm launching the dead mask project soon to find solutions. Well, you know, we, it's good, but it's, we've been ringing this bell since 2020, right? We've been talking about this and this is the same thing we keep seeing. And we've already talked about COVID masks, devastating bird populations all over the world. The world is throwing away 3 million face masks every minute. And the growing mountain of waste is a toxic time bomb. I mean, it makes me furious. As I said, yep. This is still happening. Never forget that countless environmental groups raise the alarm over this exact problem. The enormous pollution that mask use was causing back in 2020. We played, we showed you this. These were environmental groups. They were screaming about this. We need to do something now. They're building up on the shores. It's all over the place. And by the way, they were ignored, of course, by the same people right now, justifying destroying your life to stop climate change. Using 37 masks a day and wash, you know, hand sanitizer and 10 pairs of gloves, all destroying the planet while they go, oh, no, you need to stop driving your car and using gas because we're killing the planet. It's infuriating. This is incredible. It's just one small angle of the destruction that's being caused by the people acting like they're trying to save everybody. Now, this is important to understand. As I said, I'm so damn glad this dam broke, right? That people are beginning to see how obvious this is. But we have a long ride ahead of us.
probably a never-ending ride. That's just the reality. But don't lose focus because they sure won't, guys. The moment that you let your guard down, we'll swing back in full go. But as I said, stay the course. Two-party illusion, of course, for those that think this one-side party. But as it says in the tweet here, remember when you were made to look like a dangerous person for just telling the truth? Everyone now knows. Twitter will now ban users that repeatedly claim vaccinated people can spread COVID. Remember that in 2021, December? Oops. Right. So just one of a bazillion examples of Twitter and everybody else following direction in lockstep. Big surprise to censor people that said the thing you weren't supposed to say, even though they at that time, provably now because we have the records and the documentation knew that was the case, knew it. That's why the CDC reached out to Twitter and had them ban me for things they knew the spreading of the, the spike protein shedding. Or now it's coming out that Twitter verbally asked specifically Alex Bernison to be censored. Like, this is the reality. Even though he knew he was right. It's all there. How embarrassing, right? But this is the kind of stuff we're seeing. And they're still going. As he, This is a couple examples of how bad this was. He said, never forget, the National Post actually ran this headline in January 2022 to convince you that one-fourth of your friends, neighbors, family, colleagues around you should uh, around you support throwing you in jail just because you didn't take an injection. It says more than one in four Canadians support jail time for unvaccinated. Jail time. I mean, it's just beyond understanding at this point. Here's another reminder, of course, of the famous Lena Wen coming out and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we can't trust those dirty unvaccinators, right? They're un- we can't trust them. Seriously, you can't trust them because they choose not to do something. I mean, they could be wrong. They could have information you don't. Maybe they just don't like vaccines. Why can't you trust them? Because they're trying to paint the picture that you were untrustworthy and dangerous because you didn't do what the government told you to do. She has been a talking head for this from the very beginning. She's also the one, along with uh, uh, Scott Leb, who is also a talking head for this, that came out and just said, oh, yeah, by the way, Starting today, cloth masks don't work anymore. Okay, well, use these other ones. Nope, it's been the same. Same like today. There was no new information when they said that. They just changed the narrative on you. Sure, and I just first want to clarify that I was opposed to the CDC yes. back in May when they lifted the indoor mask requirement. I thought that the honor code was never going to work, that when vaccinated and unvaccinated people are mixing, unless there is proof of vaccination, everybody should still be wearing masks. And so I actually support what the CDC is now doing, which is going back to this indoor mask requirement, because frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated, that they have been walking around without masks. And in fact, that's what led to the surge that we're seeing. Oh, oh, in fact, in fact, Lena Wen, right, maybe a little fast and loose with the word fact, just a little bit. You know, clearly now that we know for sure that's not true. And even she admitted since then that cloth masks don't work. Oops. Yeah, that one didn't age very well, did it? But we can't trust them because they're doing things that they have a right to do. And they made the right choice. What do you know? Good for you for holding out with what you believe in because you were right. And we all know that now. But sure as hell embarrassing them. But they don't care because they act like, well, you know, science evolved. We changed our opinion. Except 30 seconds ago, they were screaming the science was settled. (laughs) How embarrassing this. I do not believe that most people can't see this. Like I, I, other way to say that is I believe most people can see this 100%. I believe that now here's the net. Oh, uh, well, I went too far ahead there. Next part was another example of Australia's chief health officer, right? Think about the, the hubris it takes to continue with what they're doing. Cause he is, they're still doing this. Even though this is on the record, this kind of embarrassing contradiction, 
Getting that third dose is protection against severe illness, but also protection against getting infected in the first place. Despite two, three, four doses of the vaccine, uh, it's not so good at preventing infection in the first place. So we are getting infected. That's why we've had uh, tens of thousands of cases in this wave. And in, in, in the clip we saw in the beginning, there's another part of that, which is important to point out, where he goes, they're just in fantasy land, and then later admits they were right. Right? So was he wrong? Was he misinformed? Was he lying to you? I mean, you, you just, it really, at this point, it, it matters, but the, the point is that they were wrong. You should ask whether they were lying to you, but the point is going to the next discussion. Why in the world? Because they said so is enough. Should, I mean, that's, I didn't say that properly, but why we would trust them going forward is beyond me. So the next time they go, trust us because we said this is the right thing, we should immediately go, well, I don't know, because you were very wrong last time, maybe lied to us for an agenda. I think that's what happened. Well, here's another great example as this all falls down in front of them. Healthcare workers fired over vaccine mandate in this example, awarded $10 million in settlement. Some plaintiffs will be eligible for $45,000 if they were fired as a result of the vaccine mandate. It's a small win because it's not everybody. But guys, this is happening all over the place because you were right. The law was on your side, even though the law is exactly what did this to you in the sense of you know people using that. But the reality is that you were correct. You always had the right to say no. And it's slowly coming back around. And but I said the other day, guys, as much as I want this to be that we want, you know, maybe the agenda was just getting enough people injected. Right. That's why we can't just act like this is over because it's very much not over. But they're admitting this stuff left and right. And this is the one of the this was admitted so early on and they acted like it didn't change anything. And now they're just coming out with it again. Four and five covid deaths had at least three medical conditions on the record. Three. Right. The point is, early on, we saw the same thing from the CDC. It was something like 96.5 percent of people have at least 2.5 comorbidities. Right. And they try to act like, well, because COVID caused all. No, it didn't. We've proven that since then. People are being put in the hospital with other problems, being given PCR tests and being. And then when they die from those other problems, they get called. They get called a COVID death or. They catch whatever we're talking about, flu, pneumonia or phantom COVID, and suddenly they die from something else. Because whatever they caught exacerbated that problem. Now, is that COVID killing everybody? Or were these sickly people or elderly people that were already on the way out that just got sick and died? That matters. It should be considered and counted, but transparently. No, they just bunched it all together and said, we're dying from a pandemic that's now being completely picked apart by the evidence. Here's another important bombshell study. Vaccinated, it's on trial site news, yeah, trial site news, vaccinated five times more contagious than the unvaccinated 10 days after infection. Now, again, for those that are in the consideration of that this might not be real, consider that in the idea that this is the science that they're telling you we should be trusting. When it comes out, it shows the opposite. They don't trust it, right? Just that being said, that's the point, not that we're going to argue that it's the, they just always got to get ahead of that because everybody's trying to shout these things down today, which I said in the comments on Twitter today is very frustrating. Right. The it's 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 more counterintuitive, counterproductive than almost anything else happening today where we can be involved in these conversations, trying to wake people up to what's happening. And they jump in and go, what virus? You guys are blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's like, God, God, did you even listen to the conversation? The point is that that's not a productive thing to say. I get your point, but to, there's a point in which that argument needs to be made. Not when you're barely almost about to get somebody to realize they're being tricked and you jump in with the next level of it. It's 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 frustrating.
Now, this says the study team observed that by day five after initial SARS-CoV-2 infection, fewer than 25% of the unvaccinated participants remain contagious to COVID-19 or whatever they might have. But approximately 70% of boosted subjects continued to carry SARS-CoV-2 viral particles. What about the partially vaccinated? Well, about 50% of the subjects continued to remain contagious five days out. So that could, if you had an injection in your body, you're spreading whatever's going on far longer than people without it. And it says, it says yet at 10 days after infection, 31% of those study participants continued to carry active live SARS-CoV-2 virus. However, only 6% of the unvaccinated cohort remain contagious. The data showed that persons who have received a third booster, according to, or rather, I would argue that probably means a third shot, that, that those things have been conflated. But to argue, according to those study results, are five times more likely to remain contagious at the post-infection 10-day mark than unvaccinated persons. For starters, if this data holds true to larger populations, the vaccinated become the walking contagions contagious compared to the unvaccinated, which, by the way, is perfectly backed up with the UK data, the Scotland data, every location that we've talked about before they started hiding it from you that showed you at the very least that they were wildly more that the un the unvaccinated were dramatically. Jeez, oh, I keep I can't believe I couldn't say that properly, <laughs> that the people taking the injections were spreading this more than anybody else. In fact, three to four times as many as the unvaccinated when compared. And that's per 100,000 risk. They were breaking it down by per 100,000, and it was it was like 800 per 100,000 compared to 3,000 per 100,000. And that's three shots versus none. I don't, I mean, I don't know how you misunderstand that. Even if you argue they're better off in the long run or less illness and hospitalization, which is also not true, this, the point is still that they're the ones perpetuating the problem. They're spreading it and catching it and spreading it all over around. And the point is that then, even if you are arguing that you're putting unvaccinated people or that they are, that unvaccinated are the ones that are, most at risk, I guess, then what you should be doing with that data is keeping people safe from the vaccinated. I mean, that's the only way that would make sense. The bottom line is with something not that dangerous, what you're doing is perpetuating the problem. Now, the studies, the studies linked in here at the bottom, you can read it for yourself from the New England Journal of Medicine, you know, that fringe conspiracy site. But the point is, guys, that this is happening so clearly in the reality, whether it's the vaccine literally causing these illnesses or the vaccine destroying people's immune system, which then causes them to get sick with literally anything they come across. People are just simply much, much more sick. Here's an, a, a, a cor corporate media discussion from Australia saying, why is everybody so sick? When looking at pre-pandemic levels, we're actually seven times more sick. Now, their argument, of course, is, well, lockdown and our immune systems collapsed because lockdown, right? That makes so much sense. No, it doesn't. It has an effect, yes. But most people didn't just stay in their homes all the time. A small percentage did. But the idea that we can't consider the fact that the things that are acknowledged to be creating a drop in your immune system, the proof from the Pfizer study themselves that show the dramatic, dramatic 75% negative efficacy after three months and so on. We can't ask whether that's causing extra illness or the mask that verifiably per peer-reviewed science increases your risk of infection. That might not be doing it. No, it's that thing from a couple years ago that we did for a period of time that's still lasting. Now, really? Well, either way, guys, whatever they're saying, 
consider what you think this might be. Why is everyone sick? <laughs> yeah, we've been asking the same thing, Sam. And well, COVID numbers are officially down, right? And yet every day it seems like our workmates are off with some kind of bug. So is there more sickness in the air right now? And if so, what the heck can we do about it? Are you sick of being sick? You're not imagining it. More Kiwis are coughing, sniffling and calling off work. Our immunity against a whole lot of things is sort of a little bit down because um, we haven't been constantly, I feel like, primed all the time. So of course, we've got lots and lots of different viruses coming over. And it's not just the coronavirus, of course, lots of things are. Seasonal flu, gastro bugs, conjunctivitis, even foot and mouth. It's all making everyone's lives just that much harder. And that's despite COVID numbers finally going down. Community cases are at their lowest since February. But data reported in stuff.co.nz suggests compared to last year, respiratory illnesses have doubled. The Well Kiwis survey found double the number of us are experiencing cough, fever, illness, runny nose and sore throats. And when looking at pre-pandemic levels, we're actually seven times sicker. So what's going on? If we haven't learned anything from this pandemic, it would be a bit disappointing. And one of those things is that when you've got a cold or something like that, don't take it to work. We know what stops viruses from spreading. And so masking up and keeping a distance isn't just about COVID. It's about, you know, all sorts of respiratory viruses. And it's not just the experts who've noticed. Yeah, there has been a few more days off, for sure. Our daughter's gone to kindergarten this year, so yeah, it's a bit unusual. It's hard to say, but she's, yeah, we've been sick out as a family, yeah. But I know a lot of my friends have been sick. It's the worst flu I've maybe ever had in my life. Um, yeah, so definitely worse. I don't think it's my immune system, because I've been trying to be healthier than usual. So what can you do to avoid all the nasties without having to live in your own personal lockdown? I know it's not my immune system because I've been eating, you know, the, the salad at McDonald's instead of the fries this time, you know, but I took 14 different injections because they told me it was safe, right? You know, the reality, <clears throat> excuse me, is that the vast majority of the people in that country have been injected, right? So it's not a big surprise to see them having the biggest increase in illness. Correlation, it's not causation, but my God, it needs to be asked at the very least. But when you see that question not even being brought up, it shows you something. Now, talking about cancers, it's important to understand that this, first of all, before we even talk about the cancer part of this in that great article, just remember that this is a study that was done, and there's been multiple studies since then, talking about the VADES conversation, the autoimmune problems, or even just the antibody-dependent enhancement situation, all these different things. But this, this is, it has been shown that up to 50% of vaccinees, uh, you know, COVID vaccines can induce a temporary and they only, it, it doesn't, the study was, the point is the study ends at a certain point. Now it's could, it doesn't mean that it's it, temporary is, is the fair point to like, it could, I don't know how to say, frame this the right way. It's not for certain that it goes away. That's what all the studies show is that ultimately there's, that, that people have different experiences that we've seen larger issues. I would argue because of people that take one or versus people that have taken four and how that affects you going forward. I mean, that's what all the experts have been saying right? The, the more you take, the worse this gets. The bottom line is that I don't believe temporary is the right word, but in some cases you have people that are having less, less of a problem or that it dissipates to a certain degree, but 50% of them have what this article discusses as temporary immune suppression or immune dysregulation. 
that may last about a week or possibly longer. And that's my point is that the study just ends. So we don't really know. But the reality is that not only do you see this as their own stata shows, and they've admitted to an increase by 50% of your increased risk of infection within the first week. But then they go, but about it, it goes back down. But now that's good. That's also why they dumped the first 14 to 21 days in the category of unvaccinated, as they've all admitted to. That's one of the reasons. But then after three months, actually starting on the first week, it dramatically goes down. And after three months, it's negative 75% efficacy. That's incredible. That is your immune system collapsing. So what you're seeing here is the study that shows one of them that you have a, a guaranteed 50% or 50% of them having a guaranteed immune suppression problem or lymphocytopenia, which can lead to cancers, but a lot of other problems. As Dr. Ryan Cole stated, many of them have stated. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to point out how ridiculous this is. I mean, this is even on Brave, by the way. Look at what it says underneath that. Look at what it says, and the ones popping up underneath it. Swiss Policy Research, and it says misinformation website? That's a little strange. I mean, that's brave, by the way. I don't even know why that makes sense, seeing how it's very much not a misinformation website. In fact, they go out of their way to be very objective about this, and they're citing all the peer-reviewed science that goes along with their claims, and they'll even make arguments that I don't agree with because they're taking a middle stance on what I would argue is a very objective stance, but things like, you know, that it does reduce your illness and symptoms, and I just, I think there's a challenge to that, but regardless, to argue their misinformation is just insulting, just so we see that, but... This is a great article, Turbo Cancer. What this is talking about is what these experts are seeing in their, in their fields. And like, remember that uh, Dr. Ryan Cole made the same point, that he's seeing an explosion in cancers. Well, so too is this very highly regarded doctor. <clears throat> now this says, Dr. Ute Kruger is a researcher and senior physician at Lewis University in Sweden. She's a former chief of pathology a field that she worked in for the last 25 years with a specialty in breast cancer diagnosis for the past 18 years. She's studied thousands of autopsies and breast cancer samples. She's extremely familiar with the industry and patient age, tumor size, and malignancy grade are all within her field of expertise and have had a natural rhythm throughout the career. <clears throat> the natural rhythm came to a halt in 2021 once the vaccine rollout began. Right. So she, natural rhythm being that, you know, she sees these problems in, in a pretty kind of general, consistent way for certain situations, certain sizes and so on. But since the vaccines, everything changed. Shocking. Right. A genetic therapy that changes how bodies work. Weird. I mean, that alone is such an obvious. How, what would you possibly argue? The lockdown changed how cancer worked. I mean, it's just insulting. But as she says. The things that she's noticed in the interview, shared doctors of COVID ethics had an interview with her showing up in all of her samples. And this is what she's seeing in age. The average ages of the samples she received dropped, you know, affecting younger people with the rise in number of samples from people in their 30s to 50s. Size. It used to be unusual for her to find a tumor three centimeters in size. In this new environment, she's regularly seeing tumors of four centimeters, eight centimeters, 10 centimeters. Right, almost four times the size of what she's used to seeing, and the occasional twelve. I mean, my God! In a shocking anecdote, two weeks ago she found a sixteen-centimeter tumor. Tumor, it took up an entire breast, multiple tumors. She's begun to see more cases of multiple tumors growing in the same patient, sometimes even in both breasts. She had three cases within three weeks of patients who had tumors growing in multiple organs. One had tumors in her breast. Now, by the way, these are possible without what's going on with the injections, but her point is she's seen this in an unprecedented rise that's completely out of normal and out of sync with what she's seen in 18 years. 
How that's not regarded as a valid point is beyond me, except we know what's going on. They don't want to see it. Now it says, and by the way, it mentions pancreas and lungs. That's pancreas is a huge part of where the lipid nanoparticles collect. But it says reference, there has been an uptick in patients who have been in remission from their cancer for many years, suddenly getting aggressive recurrence. Yeah, there you go. And that's shortly after they get the injection because it exacerbates all these problems. It creates the problem. Now, she says, initially thought that the turbo cancers, as she calls them, were due to delayed doctor appointments from COVID lockdowns. So that's originally what she thought. But that period is long over. And the tumors are still growing aggressively, getting worse. And her younger patients. She reported some of these cases to the FDA. And while some higher-ups initially agreed to meet with her, they then canceled the meeting with no explanation the next day and sent a phone agent to take a report. Weird. Not very weird at all, in fact, when you see what's been happening. Six months ago, Dr. Kruger appeared in a panel in Germany to present her theory that vaccination is causing aggressive tumors. And she asked for help from the doctor at the summit in collecting the data. Unfortunately, few of them have even been willing to collect that data and share it with her. Why is that even possible? So you're like to the point to where you're not even willing to share the data because you believe what she's an anti-vaxxer conspiracy theorist. Like this has warped people's minds, even doctors. Autopsies. Part of her time spent on autopsies, and she drew attention to numerous concerning anomalies. A 60-year-old had multiple malignant diseases. He got two doses of COVID vaccine during chemotherapy and then developed Guillain-Barre syndrome. A pretty common thing you see from their injections they push on people. She found inflammation in the spinal cord, brain, blood vessels. An 80-year-old woman became paralyzed one month after vaccination. Kruger found a hemorrhage in the spinal cord near her neck, which is something she's never seen before. Under the microscope, she saw inflammation in the vessel that caused the rupture and caused bleeding. She also found inflammation in her heart muscle, which is myocarditis. <clears throat> Kruger then, Dr. Kruger was called to settle a dispute between a family of a deceased person. The doctors who signed the autopsy, or uh, the, the family and the doctor who signed the autopsy. The family and their physician believed the death was a result of a COVID vaccine. Yet the ones who performed the autopsy didn't come up with any findings to support that and did not link the death to the vaccine. Remember the conversation we just had? We're going to point out that next to the, the Steve Kirsch article. When Dr. Kruger performed her own autopsy, she found evidence of myocarditis and, and vasculitis inflammation of the blood vessels in the lungs. Right. This is these are the markers they should be looking for to at least suggest that the vaccine was the cause, especially since they admit it can cause these things. Think about being willfully blind to that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Even as they admit those things are possible. Even and then on top of that, while you have no other alternative cause, the original autopsy either missed those signals or didn't even look for them. And that's the point. While the family was correct, Dr. Kruger shared her opinion supported by another senior-level pathologist from Germany, and the death was indeed due to the COVID vaccine, which is what actually got documented. Dr. Kruger outlined three major issues with the way autopsies are currently being run in practice. Patient information is sloppy. She personally has several cases where clinicians uh, had written that the patient was unvaccinated for the autopsy, when in fact, in their medical file, it was documented that they were vaccinated for COVID. Think about how crazy dishonest that is. Why would you lie about that? There's some kind of backward idea that they're so convinced that's not the cause that they're willing to lie about it to hide it because the anti-vaxxers will use it. How about the possibility that it could be and that what you're doing is covering up the reality? There's some pretty alarming situations coming up like this where you're seeing willful dishonesty from people that may actually think they're doing the right thing in their broken logic. But the typical autopsy, the next point, says doesn't run exams deep enough to diagnose the root cause of these medical issues. 
right? And that I think that's a willful action. They don't do rigorous histopathology testing of the tissues where vaccine damage would likely show up, but which is necessary to detect markers of vaccine-induced injury, such as... Just lost my plot. Uh, where was it? I just lost my spot. Like you show up, which is necessary to detect markers such as immunological inf- infiltrates or spike protein in myocardial tissues. Dr. Kruger ran more, obviously spike protein being in there. That's an obvious sign. Ran more, uh, more through exams and found myocarditis and inflammations that were missed by the original autopsies. There's a lack of experience in evaluating these findings and a lack of desire to properly contextualize cases. In addition, most autopsy clinicians don't report cases to the FDA. Now it says, while Kruger's testimony is by nature anecdotal, as a top-level pathologist of many years, her concerns should be taken very seriously and investigated further. Of course, that would require an honest regulation system, which seems to be sorely lacking these days, which I completely agree with. I mean, it just, it just, it just never stops. Now, here is an example of Scottish unity that I've pointed out many times, pointing out repeatedly that there's an obvious signal of a problem that nobody wants to acknowledge. Why we go, we're baffled. Why our leading cause of death in Alberta is unexplained death and so on. With 14,635 additional deaths and no sign of slowing and 12,492 fewer births and no sign of rising, there are 27,127 fewer people living in Scotland than before. Most of this happened through 2021 to 2022 and still ongoing at present, right? So dramatic increase in deaths that we can't explain, a dramatic decrease in births that we suddenly can't explain, even though we can, and it's still continuing and nobody wants to care about it, right? It's obvious what's happening here. There's a problem happening. Now, here is another example of these reports coming out. This is a local San Diego station. 41% of recent COVID deaths among fully vaccinated and boosted individuals, right? This is like a title I would have had on my show that gets censored, right? But now it's squeaking out through smaller local channels, even if it's corporate media. Almost half of the people dying are those with fully injected and boosted. Now, here's why people are refusing or or really why, why... I mean, it is, I think, refusing to do so, but why most people can't see this or are are acting like they don't see it. As Steve Kirch points out, I just now notified hundreds of people at uh, at the CDC why they aren't able to find any vaccine-related deaths. Right? And I mean, you guys already know this because we've talked about it many times. The reality, though, is that they're trying not to do what they need to do to discover what would be the obvious indicator of vaccine problem. That's what's happening here. Now, what it says is, here's the full text of his email. And you'll be interested by one part in this that points at a partisan media outlet. I wanted to make sure everyone is, who is involved, he says, in the COVID vaccine program understands exactly why the CDC isn't finding any vaccine-associated deaths. <clears throat> the short answer is because they aren't looking for them properly. even though the methodology to do so is in plain sight. That methodology is ignored. This is why the pathologists find nothing. A simple analogy, if the PCR test were run with just five cycles, we'd never find any COVID virus. We're basically doing the same thing with the tests we do post-vaccine. 
We didn't change the test to find the vaccine. The point is five cycles, you know, they're, they're, the acceptable range is about 25, the highest, arguably, based on people like Carrie Mollis and people that have talked about this, that once you go higher than that, you could find pretty much anything anywhere. The point is that if you choose to go that low, you won't find anything on purpose. That is kind of what's happening here. Now, let me play you a quick little clip here. This is something that is relevant. Oh, where was that? One second here. I heard earlier that there's no real concern about aluminum because it's such a small amount, and so it really shouldn't matter. But the kind of aluminum that we put into vaccines is a different kind of aluminum that we see environmentally. This is called a nanoparticle, and nanoparticles bind really tightly to the bacteria antigens, the virus antigens, the food protein antigens, and any other contaminants that are in the vaccines that we may not know about. And we know that the biochemical properties of nanoparticles is that they are capable of entering the brain. And so we have not evaluated the safety of the aluminum nanoparticle and its injection and where it goes when it gets into the body and whether it gets into the brain. Do vaccine ingredients belong in the brain? No. Do they get into the brain? No one has ever studied it. But animal studies using the same chemicals that are in vaccines that we give to children directly demonstrate that the vaccine ingredients do enter the brain. We are ignoring this information. There are scientists in Europe who've actually done studies on the aluminum nanoparticle and have shown that it can persist in the brain for years and decades. And so what we're seeing is a large outbreak of neurodevelopmental disabilities in adults, including Alzheimer's. And one of the main factors that they're finding in the brains of people with Alzheimer's is the aluminum nanoparticle that's directly related to the vaccines that we're giving. So we have never studied whether the aluminum that we're giving in vaccines gets into the brain, and we've never measured whether it stays in the brain and what it does if it does stay in the brain. But we do know that vaccines are supposed to cause inflammation in the body. But we have more than half of our children with chronic inflamed conditions. And we've never allowed ourselves to ask the question, if the vaccines cause inflammation acutely, do they continue to create inflammation chronically? We have one in five with neurodevelopmental disabilities, one in 10 with ADD and ADHD, one in 35 with autism, one in 11 with asthma, and one in 20 under the age of five with seizures. Now, the big point in that is if we're talking, this was 2020 when he was saying that. Dr. Pilevsky, we've referenced him many times. But think about, think about the idea of talking about the aluminum particles, the nanoparticles going in your brain, right? What is the nanoparticle we're dealing with today? Lipid nanoparticles, which are including instructions for, include mRNA, which include instructions for spike protein. So arguably, you could say that any of those things could end up in your brain. And they do, which is what he's saying. So think about that in the context of all these other neurological problems we're seeing and everything else, or the fact that the time frame can go on for a long time, as even Fauci's admitted before COVID-19 clown world, that it can be two years down the line, you can have a side effect. That's real. So we're going to, the idea that we're acting like these things that are happening, by the way, long COVID discussion, which I'm, I'm going to poke at probably in a show tomorrow or the next day, this, this very clear example of somebody they're arguing as a kid, a long COVID child in the hospital, it seems very obvious the side effects to me are closely related with what we're proving the vaccine can do and they've admitted it can do. Doesn't mean it's not there. But anyway, the point is that this is a real example of how we know this and how we have to translate that knowledge into the current reality. 
It's weird. COVID-19 just changed everything. Every normal thing became completely different because COVID. And now, don't you know that's the science? It's like, wait a minute, 30 seconds ago, that's not what anybody was saying. But now you're acting like that's long known information. It's, it's infuriating. But the people that have never known this information, they step into it today and the CDC says so. The CDC says it's always been there. So they just say that. This is my point about trusting what they're telling you is the science instead of looking at the science. But as he goes on to say, it's unethical. I wanted to make sure everybody who works at the CDC is aware of this. At the very least, the CDC needs to publicly acknowledge this clear failing of not looking for what they need to look for to find out whether this is what caused it. He said, as I recently said on Fox News, hundreds of thousands of Americans have been killed by COVID vaccines. It's very easy to prove. I've posted the summary of the backup here, and there's links you can check out all the data. People who were skeptical of his numbers found the document very convincing. Now get this, guys. Fox News, after that, refused to look at his data or discuss it. Why not? Because they are paid not to challenge the narrative. Even Fox News, guys, just make sure we see that. Over $1 billion is being paid out to promote the vaccines and ignore anything that goes against their narrative. The reason the CDC finds no deaths is because they aren't looking for them with tools that will find them. It's a a choice. How can uh, uh, Bakhart and Bakhti, Bakhti being one that we've we've interviewed, find 93% vaccine-caused deaths when the coroners found nothing in the exact same tissue samples? You need to run specialized tests to determine an association with the vaccine. I mean, this is common knowledge before this. The reality that you, in most cases, it's almost impossible to see a vaccine injury unless you know the vaccine was administered because usually having no indication is the clearest example of the vaccine likely being the cause. That's been, that was there before, but it just disappears in COVID land. The standard tests run by medical examiners are never going to find an association. That was clear in their paper, which he links to, and it was independently validated by Dr. Ryan Cole, who was a very experienced board-certified pathologist. The question you should all be asking is why isn't the CDC requiring that for anyone who dies 30 days after getting a vaccine, an autopsy protocol that can find an association with the vaccine using the necessary specialized tests? Such a protocol already exists and it's proven to work. Here's the link. You can read it for yourself. Dr. Cole points out that you need specialized tests to find the association. That's why they want to just broadly dismiss any of these people as conspiracy theorists. So it stops the people that are willfully ignorant from looking at the data that's linked right there that proves what they're saying. Of course, if you just want to dismiss their entire life as debunked, well, then that's easy to do because then you don't have to confront the reality. But as it says, how many pathologists are doing these tests in America? Just one, as far as he knows. He says, I'm absolutely baffled as to why the CDC has never done any of these tests and why nobody's talked to Dr. Cole. He says, while there may be better protocol, a better protocol, this protocol he links to is proven to detect vaccine involvement in 93% of cases studied. I mean, think about how ridiculous it would be to not use that in the case of a situation where people are arguing they're hurt by a vaccine. That's called willful ignorance, obfuscation. There are, there are all tissue samples from people dying shortly after vaccination where the medical examiners were unable to find any association. If it, this protocol is insufficient, where, where is the CDC document explaining why and proposing a better one that finds more association? Because that's not what's happening. They don't have it, but they just don't do it. Sort of like with theirs, where they just don't do it. If the CDC has been doing adequate tests, where's the documentation of that? Exactly. They're not doing that. It seems pretty clear to me the CDC isn't finding vaccine-caused deaths because they refuse to look for them. 
by the way, their actions thus far and the times they've already been caught for doing that, using old data to argue current arguments and so on, it shows you they're trying to be dishonest here. They've already tried to pull a fast one many times and got caught for it. Is this how science is done by not allowing anyone to challenge your work? He says, my article also explains very clearly why doctors are not finding vaccine-related deaths. The interview with Gina Doan makes it clear her dad died from the vaccine, yet the doctor in charge refused to even consider this as a possibility, even though none of his other explanations fit. And the vaccine hypothesis fit perfectly. Now, that doesn't prove it. But ask yourself, you're in a situation where everything adds up in one direction, but doesn't add up at all in the other. But you go in the direction that nothing adds up on because you don't because you're not supposed to look in the other direction. I mean, think about that. Wouldn't you acknowledge what well, could be right? Certainly could be the vaccine. That's not impossible. So why would you refuse to look at it? Because he knows his job is at stake if you do. He's, that's not how science works. This is corruption. You don't need a medical degree to figure out, figure this out. It's all in the video. Now, check you. Please go through this for yourself. But this is what's happening. And by the way, here's the documentation, the breakdown of the, of the this is the Institute professor, Dr. Oops, Dr. Burkhart and Bhakti breaking down the information of what they should be doing and, how, and proving that this is how you do this. But, you know, facts and, and fa it's all fake news if you say the wrong thing. But it's there. Now, here is an example of how this is even shifting now. Here's Alex Bernison pointing out New Zealand regularly publishes a list of potential mRNA vaccine side effects that it deems worthy to monitor. At the very least, meaning that they're possible, right? When it began publishing its reports in April 2021, it had not identified a single safety signal. Think about how dumb that is, by the way. At that time, we knew myocarditis was happening, and they wouldn't even publish it. But guess what? The current list? Hey, it suddenly changed. Check this out. Look at what it says now. Blood clots, appendicitis, myocarditis, herpes zoster, Bell's palsy, menstrual disorders, stroke, tinnitus. Uh, uh, pancreatitis, Guillain-Barre syndrome, thrombocytopenia, pregnancy issues. Really? Like, of course, these are just a monitor, right? But think about how crazy it would be to shout down anybody saying they might have had that situation while you're monitoring for possible problems. I mean, this is, this is just to gaslight people, to act like we're doing our due diligence while we shout down anybody that says it might have happened. Wow. Now, what we're going to see as this rolls into the natural immunity conversation is as, as, as Paul Thacker points out, or the, the phrase he uses is, as we enter the great misremembering, which is such a great way to put this because this happens every time. This happens in foreign policy. Anytime they just decide to shift the narrative, suddenly they just, they just remember it a different way. Now we weren't hiding it. We just only had new. Now we see the difference and now we're evolving the opinion. No, you guys were lying. You're caught lying. And now the argument is to shift around and go, now we can acknowledge natural immunity. Now we can talk about the lab leak. Now we can talk about how masks don't work. Only once we acknowledge and allow you to go forward. It's like everybody sees this and we know that. We have to acknowledge that. It says with elections on the horizon, is the CDC now just following midterm science? <laughs> Yeah, they're a political organization, guys. They don't are guided by science, and we have to have seen that by now. But the title is, CDC now says COVID-19 prior infection, same as vaccination. Let us now commence with the great misremembering. Now, as this the image says, the science has changed. We should loosen the restraints. <laughs> political polls. It's, it's just hilarious. But the point here, guys, is there's a lot of examples, and you've seen many of them on this show, about them acting like natural immunity is an embarrassing conspiracy theory. He even lists the one that I love to reference, and I'll just point it out when I get there. He says, releasing new pandemic guidelines last week, the CDC epidemiologist Greta Massetti divulged to reporters what many experts have long been saying. 
There is no difference between COVID-19 vaccine and prior infection. Now, see, there's my problem. That I don't agree with. The prior infection is exponentially better based on the science. It's lasting, robust, and durable. It, it continues to fight off variants of concern. None of that is applied to the COVID injection. Let's be clear about that. So even on this stance, this is my point about them going, well, we admit it. Natural immunity is just as good. That in and of itself is a manipulation, right? Because it's not just as good. So if we take that as a win, we're allowing them to shoehorn in the lie that they've always wanted to work, which is that vaccines still help you. That's not true. The reality is these things are harming people. The reality is natural immunity is so much better based on every peer-reviewed study that discusses these from the Lancet, from science.org, from Science Mag, from MDCI or MDPI, from, I mean, every single one of them I pointed out. All of them say the same thing. Lasting, durable, robust, memory B, T-cell, antibodies, everything. And the main one I keep showing you is that it continues to fight off variants of concern. So now we're finally being able to admit it, but they're lying to you about the equivocation of the, or the equivalent. But it says both prior infection and vaccination confer some protection. <laughs> Seriously? No, but this, this is almost insulting. You should be like, no, you're still lying. You're done. I'm not like, if you're going to argue that natural immunity is just a little bit of protection, their argument they're not saying there is that's why you should do both because that completes it. And that's what they've tried to yell at you from the beginning. Even as they, so, subtly, or not even subtly, argue natural immunity is a fake thing, but then argue that if you're going to have both, it's even better. But it says, and so it really makes most sense to not differentiate with our guidance and our recommendations based on vaccination status at this time. That's what the CDC is saying. All right. So throwing out two years of fear mongering and threats and accusations right out the window and going, yeah, you're all the same now. By the way, unvaccinated also just being the same in there, which by the way, doesn't make sense because to argue that you know for sure that everyone unvaccinated has natural immunity, which was what we generally argue based on the statistics, but they don't know that for sure. So isn't, isn't by their logic that dangerous that we don't know we could have a dangerous person walking around. The point is none of it adds up. And the data shows you that that's not the risky person. The risky person is the one with four boosts or four shots spreading this like wild and getting sicker than anybody. But it says major media outlets such as NPR, CNN, Washington Post, the New York Times dutifully repeated back the new statements from the CDC officials, you know, without noting that they had reported the complete opposite last year. <laughs> COVID-19 vaccines provided much better protection than natural infection, right? That's what they were screaming and repeating and over and over. And then just blindly say the opposite because they're told to. That's not journalism, guys. Those are stenographers for the government. It says, see the CNN interview last August, for example, where Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murphy, 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 allegedly shot down an anti-vaxxers claim about natural immunity. It's all over the place. Quote, we're seeing more and more data that tells us that while you get some protection from natural protection, it's not nearly as strong as what you get from the vaccine, says Dr. Murphy. He's wrong. And now they're admitting that he's wrong. Even with their lie today, they're admitting that they're at least the same. And that's not true. It's far better. But again, so these people were all wrong. All these high-minded experts were wrong or they were lying to you. Yes. So why we would then go to the next step, monkeypox, whatever else, and go, trust the experts in the science. They're all the ones that just got caught lying to you or that they were wrong. However you want to look at it. Going forward, as always, whether or not they were caught lying, you should have a choice because they are pretty wrong all the time, it seems, or at the very least, lying in the direction of whatever suits the government. Now, here's some examples. It says, you experts say you still need to get COVID vaccine even if you have antibodies. Natural immunity or vaccine, new CDC study shows COVID vaccines offer more protection. Oh, that's wrong. Part of the pandemic's great misremembering, a collective amnesia where we march in step to the government messaging while falling 
fa failing to recall prior statements and moments of glaring contradiction. Exactly. To help everyone join the great misremembering, here are some incidents you must fail to recall. <laughs> I love that. And this is the one I always point out. I told you this would. This is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Now, I don't know why Kira Butler even has, Butler even has a job right now. Like, that's so embarrassing and has aged terribly. Let me read it for the podcast. May 20th, or May 12th, 2020, 2020, excuse me. Anti-vaxxers have a dangerous theory called, quote, natural immunity. Now it's going mainstream. Like, that, that just shows you she is just an utter follower that just garbage, just regurgitated out whatever she was told to write about, even though you can, in 30 seconds, look up a, an entire history of natural immunity, an entire body of science around this for decades, showing you why this is there, why that's what vaccine technology is based on. But nope, because she was told to and put at it, she just goes, fake news because it's granny vaxxers. How embarrassing. But guess what, guys? She's probably going to get a promotion because she did what she was told, and that's what they're supposed to do. But you can see plenty of these examples. Here's Maggie Fox. Just to be clear, no valid scientific studies found natural immunity protects better than vaccination. You know why does she? No valid study. Oh, I see. So Science Mag and Lancet and Science New England Journal of Medicine, they're, they're not valid studies because they said the wrong thing. I get it. This is a stupid person towing a line. And now she's being shown to be wrong, even by the person she thought she was helping, the CDC or the group. The vaccines stimulate broader, longer-lasting protection. No, it doesn't. You're wrong. I'd flag this as potential misinformation. I would, too. And she's now... Here, here's what's funny. Are they going to go back and now flag this? Uh, this right now contradicts the CDC discussion. So shouldn't Twitter then delete them as fake news misinformation? Yeah, they should, based on everything else. <laughs> right? I mean, it doesn't matter, though, because she said the right thing at the right time. Even if it now changes, you're allowed to say that thing still because the narrative... The algorithms are going to blow up today. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how they're still managing to use algorithms with how many times they've changed their narrative, and now they're even admitting they were lying, and the algorithms, like if it was a person, it would be pulling its hair out right now. That's why corporate and I joke about this. They've literally destroyed themselves to censor us. It's embarrassing. Here's another one. I don't usually engage when people troll, but this is just deliberately misleading. Pointing at Paul Thacker, by the way. The CDC did not say there is no difference between prior infection and vaccination, and no studies have shown no difference. Not sure why this person is attacking me personally. This is about today. We do know this, and this is what it says. And the data and the evidence and the peer-reviewed science have always been there. This is just her choosing to die on this hill, and it's going to blow up in her face. Like, like, what was the guy's name? Uh, what was that guy's name? He came out early, not early, but early in the time when this was beginning to turn, and was like, you guys, oh, Scott, Al Scott, Scott Alberts, Scott Adams, maybe? The guy that was like, you guys just got lucky. <laughs> even though you had the right of it, you were just guessing in that direction. And I was right, even though I was wrong, because I did the right thing. Like, that guy, is he even around anymore? <laughs> like, how embarrassing. Right? He just quickly went out. But the point was, he was telling you, you're right, but you weren't right because you were guessing. And I was right, even though I was wrong, because I was following the science, and the science turned out to be wrong. And my God, like, these people are embarrassing. Fact check, natural immunity is not far superior. That fact check was wrong. And now it's being shown to be wrong. Another fact check, vaccine-induced immunity is more reliable. No, it's not. Fact check, you're wrong. I mean, you can go on and on and on. There's a lot of great examples of these embarrassing people being look, you know, called out. By the way, if you'd like to review this on my website, which you probably should because it goes back long, 2020, the moment this began, the moment this discussion happened, there's a lot of my discussions. And by the way, almost every one of them let me find one from 2020. There's a lot of them here, but let's, here's one from 2021. How much you want to bet this has been 
deleted by YouTube. Let's find out. Not all of them have, but the vast majority of my videos have. The point being is they censor it, most of them based on medical misinformation. And the argument was, oh, weird, look at that. No longer available because it's been terminated. The point is, when we're discussing natural immunity, the COVID narrative on natural immunity, they're shouting you down. Because at the time, I was saying something they weren't allowed to say. Now it's all being admitted. But guess what? The accounts are still going to be gone. And... As we're, if you need any better example of how obviously this is the reality, not just that natural immunity is better, but that these injections are causing their immune systems to blow up, is that, yes, again, again, just in, quadruple vaccinated Jill Biden infected with COVID. And of course, this is quadruple vaccinated Jill Biden, who's been around Joe Biden, who's been sick multiple times, who has apparently been taking the guidance seriously, even though he's not wearing a mask and coughing into his hand at press briefings and, you know, why that adds up at all. But as I posted the, 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 the gif here, 60% of the time, it works every time. And the funny part was, oh, wait a minute. This is something that Doom updated. Updated version. 12% of the time, it works for a short time. That should be the Pfizer ad right there. How embarrassing is that? Well, guess what? It gets worse. Here's another one. Just in. Quadruple vaccinated U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin infected with COVID for the second time this year. Yeah, clearly it's working, right? That's how you know it's working, right, guys? I just put this classic meme. Like, <laughs> this is so fed up with how stupid this is. And Dr. Eli David points out an interesting point here. They've all tested positive and they're all grateful. Take a look at this, guys. The ultimate reality here, whoops. The ultimate reality here is that these people are all towing a line, all continuing to say the same damn thing. I tested positive, grateful to be vaccinated. I tested positive, grateful to be vaccinated, boosted. I credit the vaccine. I'm grateful to be put every single one of them. Hillary Clinton. I mean, come on. It's just silly. They, they, they have talking points. It's not, let's not pretend like that's not the reality. They've all tested positive and they're all grateful. Here's the best example. Pfizer CEO. How it started, how it's going. Now, this is the kind of stuff that is real, real-time misinformation. Like, I mean, I can't believe, and I made this point before, the fact that anybody anywhere didn't laugh out loud when they came out and said, 100% effective. I mean, nothing is 100%. What about the people that it does, like the people that can't take or the people that doesn't work for, the people that have immune problems? The point is that you can't claim anything's 100% effective. That's just dumb. From a math perspective, from a logic perspective, but here it is. The CEO of Pfizer, excited to share. Phase three study shows that our COVID vaccine was 100% effective in what? Preventing infection, preventing COVID-19, right? Well, here's how it ended. I have tested positive for COVID-19. I'm thankful to have received four doses of the injection. Four doses, and he's taking Paxlovid. <laughs> I mean, my God. This is why nobody's taking it anymore. Nobody. They, they have bottomed out. And that's why they're trying to roll back now, because they've lost even the people that were on their side, which most of which were just coerced into it anyway. But maybe that was the point again. Maybe it was just about getting these people injected as it spreads with vaccine shedding and whatever else we're talking about, guys. The problem is that it already happened. You're, you can't take back these four shots or one shot or how many shots that are coursing through your body. It then spreads. I mean, this is just reality. We've already talked about the, the spike protein shedding. The Salk Institute says that it's very, that by itself can cause disease. So if we know it's shedding and we know that it can cause disease, that means it causes symptoms and can be spread again. I've made this point so many times. That's backed up by peer-reviewed science. So what is that? Is that COVID-19? I mean, who, the bottom line is they've got, I don't know if that's what they wanted, but 
This is an experiment that is ongoing, whether or not they keep doing this. Now, to show you why they were able to get away with all these absurdities and some people buy it, there's, and this is one example of it, how everywhere is doing everywhere. The corporate media being funded by Pfizer, right? I mean, we, we even just played that opening clip. I'm not playing the whole thing, but just this. It's brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360, brought to you by Pfizer. I mean, it's everywhere, right? I mean, it's just embarrassing that, to not to think that's not a conflict of interest. Well, guess what? Pfizer is funding Facebook's fact check partner. Oh my God, I'm so surprised. I mean, this is why they're not really fact checkers. They are opinion checkers. They're controlling narrative. Read it for yourself. It's obvious and embarrassing. Or the fact that Ontario's chief medical officer is on Pfizer's board. Yeah, no big deal. Nothing to see here. Doesn't influence decisions at all. Of course not. Well, the reality, as I've shown you many times, is the current violation tracker for Pfizer still rests at over... $10 $10 million, $10 billion, excuse me, $10.2 billion in penalty fines for criminal acts. Pfizer, number of records, 89. That's just, 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 just since 2000. And I promise you it's more than that even on top of it. But the point is safety-related offenses, number one, $5.6 billion, 16 different records of criminal activity. I've shown you guys this many times, but the really important ones, how about equipment safety violations or drug safety violations? billion, nine records? Or how about off-label or unapproved promotion? Saying it'll do things it won't? Yeah, there's $3.3 billion, 10 different crimes. But the number one, I mean, say for environment-related offenses, which is 26, is number 20 here, False Claims Act. Lying about what these things are doing. Lying about what they can do or hiding what they are doing. 20 different records of that for $1.1 billion in fines. No big deal. Totally altruistic and only fighting for you, right? According to the government. Well, this, guys, and every other reason we've talked about since this all started, is why Moderna is now throwing away 30 million doses. Or about to. Their CEO just said this. Think about how stupid that is. Remember when they were pushing you? About, no, they're about to run out. Get it while it's hot. It's going away. They're doing that with monkeypox now. Same manipulation. It's spreading to your pets. It's the same stuff. It's the same. They're going through step one, two, and three, like they always do with every agenda. And they're all just walking through it like sleepwalking propagandists, throwing 30 million doses in the garbage. Well, that's pretty crazy because you spent money on that. That's your tax dollars getting thrown away. And by the way, that shows you that nobody's taking this stuff. But what's craziest to me is not that they're just throwing it away, but what's actually stated about this. The craziest part for me Let me see if I, pretty sure I did download that. That's frustrating. Hold on one second. It's the only one. Oh yeah, it's right there. I just didn't include it in the, in the little doc I've been using here. All right. So this is, this is a, a, there's a lot of these spreading by the way that are, I I don't even know why this happens where the audio is completely out of sync. It's out of focus and it makes it look, I question it. I thought it was maybe manipulated. But here enough, here enough, sure enough, here is the actual clip. And here, listen to what he says, not just about throwing them away, but what he's trying to do now because of that. Steph knows we are now throwing those into the garbage. It's, it's sad to say. I'm in the process of throwing 30 million doses into the garbage because nobody wants them. Uh, we have a big demand problem. We right now have uh, governments, we try to contact, not only is Seth, who is doing great work with his team trying to get demand into the countries. Trying to get demand into the countries. 
Okay, so everybody is, it's, it, this is not day one of the so-called pandemic, right? We're two years plus. Literally everybody everywhere has had an opportunity to have these and turned them down many times. That's why I keep saying no was never an option. You're going to be just be asked the, for the 57th time tomorrow. But the point is that they've turned down and demand has wildly dropped. So he's contacting your government to try to drum up demand. Why is that okay with anybody? It's not like, the, the, it, especially while we're watching this thing dissipate, is even they're acting like it's dissipating. And yet he's going to try to push this on you? Yes. It, it just, it's very clear that they're trying to uh, drum up need for this. And that's why they market it a certain way. That's why they scare you a certain way. That's, by the way, has even been pointed out by HHS discussing WHO's tactics or by people from the WHO discussing WHO tactics. That's, I've shown you those clips many times, those discussions. But here we are, I was throwing them away, meaning nobody wants them, and trying to drum up the demand for things that we don't want. Is that about safety and health? Clearly not. But also we contacted through the Washingtons in, the embassies in Washington, every country, and nobody wants to take them. And so nobody. the change we have now is it's a very different situation than we had two years ago. The problem we had two years ago is there has no mRNA capacity in the world. Zero. The situation is very different today. Modern has $3 billion of annual capacity. Pfizer has $4 billion doses at $7 billion. And the Chinese don't want the vaccines of mRNA. So if you just take the just the Chinese population out, you have more than a dose per person. And as we just discussed... More than a dose per person. Think about how crazy that is. And realize that they just said China doesn't even want the mRNA. What do they know? I mean, that's their, the problem rests in the mRNA, guys. Not the mRNA itself, but the mRNA injections. That is where the big danger is. That's very clear. The issue in many countries is people don't want vaccines. In the U.S., people don't want vaccines. Around the world, we have a lot of people who don't want the vaccine. That's the problem Seth and his team are working against. So we don't have a capacity issue around the planet. It is not true. It was true two years ago. It's not true today. So we don't have a right, we don't have a problem with it, but they'll still sell it like that. But the bottom line is they're going to try to pressure you into getting it because he wants them to. Right? This you could watch this for yourself. Now here is where this is all going. Well, all that's the backstory, right? The reality they're rolling back the narrative, acting like it's not this. You know, whether you got them or not, you're in the same guidance, or the fact that they're not as that natural immunity is at the very least the same, but it's actually way better. Or the fact that they're, we're not even taking the ones they're giving now. Or the fact that these things are shown to be on unsettled, on uneven ground in regard to whether they're even working the way they thought they would. mRNA technology in general, don't forget, they failed for 20 years until magically four companies simultaneously succeeded at the same time. Nobody should buy how dumb that is. So now we're in a situation where, guess what? The UK has just approved a COVID booster vaccine it targets the two variants, the bivalent ones. How in the world are you going to approve that for use with no new safety studies before it even comes out? Do you not see the agenda there? That was a bad move by them because it showed their hand. As I said, all of this without any new safety testing, because they've, they've admitted this. They argue they don't need new safety testing because all they're doing is adapting the older one. But guess what? There wasn't even Apple safety testing to begin with. On top of that, this is something different. Of course you have to safety test it at a time when the true extent of the dangers of the first ones are still being realized and before the shots are even ready. This was never about your health. I can't even believe that. But here they come out with this to show the CEO of Moderna said, quote, this bivalent vaccine has an important role to play in protecting people in the UK from COVID-19 as we enter the winter months, right? This is where the new push will come. 
something you don't need for something you're not in danger from that will definitely increase. Like if these are based on the same science technology, which they are, and all they're doing is adapting it to a new substance. It's the same problem, same spike protein, same MRNA. It's the same stuff. So that means it will very clearly dysregulate your immune system and cause autoimmune disorders exactly like it already is. And they don't even need to test anything else because they say they don't need to. And the FDA apparently is blind walking right into that. Oh, sure, no problem. Well, it's the UK, but in the US version of it, it's all coming back. Oh, and don't worry if you're in Australia. Well, guess what? They're going to build their own plant to make these for Moderna now. Because that sounds like the right thing. Monash University will be the home to the Southern Hemisphere's first mRNA vaccine manufacturing plant. Thanks to a landmark deal with pharmaceutical giant Moderna, it will be able to produce 100 million doses a year, with the first jabs expected to be made by 2024. Premier and Prime Minister gearing up... Hi. put a lab coat on yeah. before you sure. go in? to meet the scientists behind the mRNA research at Monash University. Putting the mRNA back into the lungs of cystic fibrosis patients will be an amazing technology, and it's just around the corner. Very soon, it won't just be research done here, but production as well. The deal inked ah. today between Moderna, the federal government, and the Victorian government for an mRNA manufacturing facility at Monash University's Clayton campus. As we look at different sites, the science that's here, the capabilities, in Clayton and Melbourne are world-class. One of the lessons of the pandemic is that we need to be more resilient, that we need to be more self-reliant and we need to make more things here. Oh, you Nazi, you fascist Nazi, you want to do things at home instead of abroad? Oh, what a, what a nationalist, <laughs> right? Obviously, that's stupid, which is the kind of the thing they, they point out anywhere else, except like Israel will openly espouse that or Ukraine will openly espouse the idea of nationalism. But anywhere in the United States, oh, you're a bad person, but everywhere else, good for you. Like, it's just so stupid how contradictory it all is. But the bottom line is, of course, any country should want to bring things back home. But this, this is a time bomb. Rather, this is a, I mean, what's worse than that? It's, just, it's a terrible, dangerous thing you're putting, you're building. You're creating a situation where they're going to continue to pump these things out from inside Australia and then have any, even more reason to feel obligated to force them because they're going to be pressured by these companies. It's alarming. Located next to the Australian synchrotron, the exterior of the... And in any case, I think... Let me see what this hey, one. Oh, that's right. I just forgot to remove that. In any case, guys, this, this is... The fact that they're building that in Australia. Meanwhile, there's an example of this. Doesn't, I mean, it shows you how none of this makes sense. Africa's first COVID vaccine plant that got built back when they were first hyping this got not one single order, and now it's shutting down. But let's build more of them because we didn't need the first ones. Africa's first COVID-19 vaccine manufacturing plant risks shutting down after receiving not a single order, said an Aspen executive a few days ago. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Yeah, because everybody wants it and we're all buy, you know, vying to get the next thing and we're fighting for places in line and yet we don't even need them because nobody wanted them, right? I mean, it's all, everything is propagandized in this country. Everything we see is manipulated. But this is not the first time this kind of thing has happened. Now, I just played this clip in the last show, but I'm going to play it again because of the next one too. But I want this to be seen together because it's not, this isn't even the second time. This, ha this kind of stuff has been done in smaller ways around the world long before we got here. And weirdly enough, Bill Gates seems to be involved almost every time. What do you know? But these things are pretty horrific, guys. What's actually happening right now is in line with this kind of stuff. Thousands of tribal girls without proper study and paperwork. 
India was among the hardest hit after Bollywood celebrities were incentivized by the Gates Foundation to urge the public to submit to mass vaccinations. In 2009, tribal children were administered the HPV vaccine. Over 24,000 girls were told they were being given wellness shots, in many cases without the informed consent of a parent or a guardian. The people that were administering these vaccines lied to the guardians of these girls and told the girls, oh, this is going to cure cancer, you're never going to have cancer. And these girls became severely injured. Some of them developed seizures, some of them developed cancer. And seven girls died. And there was no insurance, there was no assistance for them. And the Gates Foundation denied that it had been clinical trials. And it was so bad that the parliament in India created a task force, they studied it, and they kicked out the Gates Foundation. But India is a barbaric country. Things happen here in a very barbaric way. But I was surprised to find an American organization operating in broad daylight, doing things in a very, very, let's say, Indian fashion. And so the route I took was that I want the whole procedure to be investigated. The Indian Parliament formed a committee and it was to me a rather surprising move because you generally don't often have such a high-level inquiry into matters affecting poor people. And that was such an extraordinary report. I don't think Indian Parliament has ever come out with such a scathing report. And the government officials came up and said, we shouldn't have authorized this. We're sorry. We're not going to allow them again. And now they're back doing their same old tricks again. The good news is that human clinical trials can start as early as July 2020 for India's first COVID-19 indigenous vaccine that's been... That's a great thing, right? We'll just jump right into the next one. Even though we just watched what happened. Like, that's when you realize your government is involved. I mean, there's no way around that. I mean, it's, an, it's insulting. And here's another example. As Stanley points out, nearly half a million Indian kids suffered from paralysis thanks to the Gates Foundation. ...been able to get any benefit for the girls who suffered, you know. It's so terrifying as to what they're actually doing with the world. We're taking things that are, you know, genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them in little kids' arms. We just shoot them right into the vein. A 2018 scientific study released in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health concluded that over 490,000 children in India developed paralysis as a result of the Gates-supported oral polio vaccine that was administered between the years of 2000 and 2017. Right, and that's the same one right now? The strain from that oral polio vaccine that is now, they claim, spreading in the UK and the United States? In the UK, giving boosters to children, meaning they're vaccinated children for the polio vaccine and now need a booster because of it, which doesn't make sense. So if they got sick and they had the vaccine, it just, none of it adds up. The point is they're acting like it's unvaccinated. The problem is that their vaccine is the one that created it. So where's the real problem lie, even if it is unvaccinated people? But the point is it's not. The reality is that most of these, most kids, unfortunately, have these injections. And in the UK, they're making that clear. But this is where it stems to. Why we keep letting this happen, it, it speaks to a willful ignorance or the fact that most people just can't see it. 
using all the usual sleight of hand, U.S.-based media and fact-checkers rushed to bury the story. But thanks to the meticulous work of a team of Indian researchers and doctors, the inconvenient truth lives on the NIH.gov website. Now, this is an actually important point to make about today. They've kind of learned their lesson here, right? So what did they do? They fact-checked it, like we see today. I mean, this is a very real story that's come out in all sorts of ways. So it's very clear those fact-checkers were morons paid to do a job. But now they know the studies there. Of course, they call them conspiracy theorists. That's actually what they do. This is the same thing they do every time. But the point is they know that study's there. So now what they do is they've tried, they've got, they've tried to get ahead of that. Now, well, science, you know, whatever the argument is in the moment, acting like this science is not the science and only the science we point at is actual science. Like the one saying only valid studies have found this. Well, it's not valid if it's a New England Journal of Medicine or the Lancet. Well, they, they, that's not what they would say if they were forced to. They would try not to say that. That's what they mean. If it says this thing, therefore, it's not true. Well, that's not what you say when you say trust the science, right? Oh, you mean trust the, only the science we point at. I get it. That's what happens today. It's my honor to introduce Bill and Melinda Gates. Without any medical training, Bill and Melinda Gates founded the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunization, through which they fulfill their agenda to vaccinate the world. Which, by the way, is obviously, as you know, driving a huge driving factor, is a huge factor involved with the COVID-19 agenda. Gavi, WHO, the whole thing. The foundation has been sued by the governments of some of the poorest and most vulnerable nations for causing serious harm through experimental vaccine programs. And it goes on. And it has been. It's happening now to people in this country and all around the world. Which is, is, is why, I mean, we have to realize that there's an agenda taking place here, guys. That these people are not just about getting injections in your arms, but there's something larger happening. Now, we see how this translates into every aspect of our lives. Lockdowns and control and where the great reset is going, right? There's, there's an effort to control your life from every possible angle. Now, the vaccine is just one angle of that. But it's very clearly that there's so much, I think there's so much more going on there than we even realize. But what we can clearly see in front of us is that these things are hurting people, that they're not necessary. And on top of that, that they're using all of these problems to drive you into something new. Now, I saw a great clip that I want to play for you in regard to the food part of this that we see everywhere. Shutting farmers down, paying farmers not to produce food while arguing Russia's causing a food shortage. It's counterintuitive at the very least. Obviously, they're being dishonest. But this is important how we need to see that the way we need to think about this, guys, is it's an opportunity to change our lives in the way they always should have been. As, as, as this, as the, uh, what's her, I just forgot her name again. I'm, dang it. I was talking about this earlier today on Sloan, on AM Wake Up. She, uh, something Shiva. I'm, I'm embarrassed that I keep forgetting her name. But the point is, she's been speaking out about what's been going on in India because of the Gates Foundation, because of these injections for a long time. And as she said, growing your own food is the freedom of today. I said, listen up, guys. This is the kind of revolution I can get behind. A revolution of the mind. Yeah, but I think the erasure of memory is intentional. And that's why everywhere history is being rewritten. That's why before it is rewritten to make us forget, we must connect. Yeah, That's what I did in India. I, I worked with the farmers to remember that uh, 1857 revolt against the East India Company, which shut the East India Company down, was a bread revolt. You know, farmers were being killed for, for not paying the taxes that were killing them. And so the farmers said, we'll reclaim our bread and our freedom. 
and because they were being arrested and killed when they talked they started to give bread to each other and that's how the movement spread when we had to launch the movement for seed freedom i went back to gandhi and his spinning field he said there was a empire of cotton where we were being impoverished our farmers were dying what did we did do we started to spin our own cloth and i said growing your own seed growing your own food today is the freedom of today and those who say these are conspiracy well just look at the rules of wto and globalized free trade who wrote the intellectual property agreement of wto monsanto they admitted it who wrote the agreement on agriculture that's destroyed all the uh, the self reliance and self food sovereignty of people you know everyone's talking about the ukraine war and russia but the reason african countries are hungry is because their ability to produce their food was destroyed by the right to dump by cargill cargill wrote the agreement on agriculture and then the junk food industry the pepsis and cokes and nestles wrote the sanitary and phytosanitary agreement and created the codex alimentarius to shut down healthy food and push the food that gave us illnesses 75% chronic diseases this is not a conspiracy there is evidence that the corporations wrote the rules then it created the billionaires now the billionaires rule the world i just don't know how that could be any more clear and she's right all this stuff is easy to look up they're controlling this from a corporate level and they act like they're out there fighting for you right trying to restrict your life because you're hurting the planet while allowing corporations to do whatever they want then Van, uh, vandana shiva thank you I, i keep forgetting her name but so this is an interesting part about this guys is this is one of the, oh, oh back to this actually this is thank you thomas for posting this he goes indeed this should be a nationwide movement maine passes nation's first right to food amendment i love this this is what we need to see here's the here's the article maine passes first right to food amendment It says a statewide referendum asked voters if they favored an amendment to the Maine Constitution to declare to quote to declare that all individuals have a natural inherent and unalienable right to grow, raise, harvest, produce and consume the food of their own choosing and for their own nourishment, sustenance, bodily health and well-being. Should also include their they the right to sell that food to their neighbors or people that's up to their or give that's their right. It was an experiment not tried before any state Supporters used the campaign to make the case the amendment would ensure the right to grow vegetables and raise livestock in an era when corporatization threatens local ownership of the food supply. This is amazing. Like this is what we all need to see. Now one last point on it's kind of an abstract point but it relates to the food in a small way, but I just want to include this because it's something I just mentioned the other day before we finish with the great reset future. Hopefully not. I just talked about how CPS is like a funnel for human trafficking and there's been articles written about this all over the place even from corporate discussion mainstream discussion it's real guys there's an obvious overrepresentation of people that end up in human trafficking that work their way through court, the child protective services and foster care it's it's horrific and they know this and they turn a blind eye well here's a quick spotlight of exactly what i was just talking about shocking moment the daily mail reports when a texas cps worker children protective services tells a 14-year-old girl to become a prostitute so she can afford food. The agency of course fires the employee and apologizes after the video services. Now is that because they don't like that or because they got caught? Now I'm not trying to argue that from a core top-down level, I don't know if it could be that this is what they're promoting, but I argue there's an obvious effort to not acknowledge this stuff like if you see in the Catholic Church, the Mormon Church, or plenty of other places where they choose not to look at what's happening. 
Well, what's frustrating about this is this is rampant. The, not only that they're tr and that was this was this employee, a handler person or whether not handler, I guess what would the right term be, the person that's meant to facilitate these children into this business, and she was going to recommend someone she should go talk to, which then puts her in human trafficking. I mean, that's how this stuff works, guys. But the problem is, I we don't know. She got fired, and you're never going to know. But the but but more than that, even. That is a real issue, and there's a whole conversation needs to be had there, and I've had them before. But how about just the argument that maybe she felt that it's okay, that it's, you know, prostitution is okay, and it's the woke mentality that maybe that's just another job, and why should it? Who knows? The problem is, these are people that are supposed to be working for their protection, and in fact are doing things like this, at least in some cases. And ask yourself why she can't afford food in the first place. Gee, I wonder why. Now, all of this leads you in the direction of what they're trying to build. This is an early example of this very weird overlap that's building out right now. The public-private partnerships, the, the, the disillusion of any kind of borders and international cooperation and all these different things that are leading to a you know, world government that's conspiracy theory, except when they literally say it out loud. Why the European Union is opening a Silicon Valley embassy. This is a report by the World Economic Forum. It says the European Union is opening a new outpost in San Francisco. <laughs> well, that's a little weird, isn't it? Like, like the idea that it's a foreign government. Anyway, it says the office will facilitate cooperation between European regulators and major technology firms. This weird, this, this, this is building something. The Silicon Valley is not just about social media platforms, guys. A European Commission spokesperson said the office will further strengthen transatlantic technology cooperation. That's a scary thing to hear. The office, officially opening September 1st, comes as the EU prepares to implement two landmark technology regulations, the Digital Markets Act and the Digital Service Act. Both pieces of legislation set to go in effect this autumn are expected to have global implications and influence how tech giants like Meta, Facebook, and Google operate around the world. Now, there's whole conversations to be had about both those things. All of this amounts to more control over what you're allowed to do what you can say, and how much you're tracked and monitored. Big surprise. The office will strengthen the EU's capacity to reach out to key public and private stakeholders. There's your, there's your public-private. This, this is the World Economic Forum push, and it's happening everywhere. Now, here is what they're telling. Oh, actually, one more. I forgot I included this one. Bernie's tweets includes this interesting step in an alarming direction. Will, it says, uh, UK will launch the emergency alert system in October, which will reach 85% of the population through smartphones. As she argues, a sinister nudge by the government to shift citizens to rely more on the authorities. Wait until this becomes permission linked to fines. Basically arguing that you have to have this in order to do this, like we're already seeing in Canada, right? doesn't matter if you have an injection or not. You need this app. Well, isn't the app to make sure I have the injection? Yeah, whatever. Get the app. Make sure you've got your digital identification on you, right? That's what that's really about. So this is not, it's not forced on anybody just yet, even though it's going to be coming through your phone, whether you want it or not. That's not necessarily new, but just see how this is a means building in the direction of this. You, watch the video first. You'll see more so what I mean. The direction of keeping you in line with this. And then at the end of the day, where it becomes that you have to have this, otherwise you're not allowed to do certain things or you're not aware of those emergencies that are in place. You won't always be aware of dangers as they happen. That's why there's now a way to warn you when there's a danger to your life, health, or property in the area you're located. 
An emergency alert sends an urgent and distinctive siren-like sound to your mobile phone. It looks like this and sounds like this, appearing on your screen until you acknowledge it. If you receive an emergency alert, you should stop what you're doing. Read the alert if it's safe to do so and do what it says. Emergency alerts are trusted. They will only ever be sent by the emergency services or the government. And that's why they're trusted? <laughs> okay. How about that's the least trustworthy thing? In, okay, but let's continue. They send the same message to all compatible phones within an area of risk. So they don't use your phone number, collect data, or track your movements. You don't need to register or download an app. Now, it could very well be that that is true. That they're that, that, that they plenty of other ways to track all those things. They don't need another one. Like that's already in lock to act like they're not already tracking all those things in real time is ridiculous today. But so whether or not it does that, it's not even what this is about. But to add to that, just because they say it doesn't do those things is never a reason to think they don't do those things. Historically, they always end up doing those things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, now we do them or we always did. And here's why. But they, they just will say that. Respecting your privacy while literally doing everything about it to, to attack your privacy. The point, though, is it's about keeping you in check and in line with what they want you thinking all the time. And they're completely free to receive. The technology has already been used successfully in many other countries, right. helping to save lives from floods, acts of terrorism, and fires. In or keep you appropriately concerned and, and propagandized in the moments they want you to, right? Like, it doesn't always have to be nefarious. My point is that if we get to a point, I mean, it very well could be now, but if we get to a point to where this is a, can be abused for, let's say, hyping fear about a, a, a not real threat like COVID-19, they'll use it. We know that. History has shown us that. And so that's why these things alarm me. Future emergency alerts could help save lives from threats in the UK. Please make sure you keep your device software up to date right. so that in the unlikely event you need to receive one, you're ready to act. All emergency alerts will also be listed on gov.uk forward slash alerts so you can easily check that it's genuine. Emergency alerts. Our way. Right. So the point is that, or as Bernie's tweet was kind of suggesting, is that ultimately this will get to a point, most likely, where you need to have it. Right. Well, there's only a small percentage that don't have it, or at least so they tell people. And so we have to start incentivizing them. Right? You can't you need this or you can't go into this area because everyone in this area is synced with the app, you know, or whatever. Like that's very clear historically, not to be sure that we, not to say for sure that will happen, but very clear historically how these things evolve. We're watching it happen in many ways right now. Now, here is a great example about how they've already tried to dismiss this whole thing. The idea of where the Great Reset is going and how they're using the pandemic as an opportunity to create the world they think we should have. Like, that's almost verbatim what Klaus Schwab has said many times. But as Viva Frey says, don't forget, in 2020... The ADL tried to dismiss the Great Reset as a baseless conspiracy theory and in their own article, in fact, confirms existence, its origin and its objective, while nonetheless claiming that it was a baseless conspiracy theory. Right. This this these are things that aren't aging well in a really fastly evolving illusion that's falling apart. This is the ADL from 2020. The Great Reset, in quotes, <laughs> conspiracy flourishes amid continued pandemic. And in the article, same thing, it says in its most common form. Adherents warn that, quote, global elites, or rather elitists, will use the pandemic to advance their interests. Isn't that exactly what they just said they're doing? 
just because you want to frame it and make it sound like like that exact sentence is literally what they're saying. But they say it in a way which suggests that it's about saving everybody. Just because they suggest good versus bad, it's exactly what they're saying they're doing. We're going to use this issue to progress a good thing. Or we were going to use this issue to progress a bad thing. It's, it's, it's perception. They're using the pandemic to, progress, to, to push an agenda. Just because you believe it's a good agenda doesn't change the fact that's literally what it says. And the Great Reset is not fake. Same thing with the guy in, I think it was Denmark, being called out for it and saying, oh, I don't know what that is. And the guy's like, oh, you don't know what this book is where you, just, you literally in email thanked him for sending it? Yeah, busted. Why would you pretend you don't know what it is? Because they know there's something nefarious here or something they're not supposed to talk about at the very least. It says the conspiracy first surfaced in earnest in June 2020 after the World Economic Forum. And they introduced the Great Reset Initiative in the wake of the devastation of the coronavirus. Right, because they're the ones that say that we should capitalize on what's happening to initiate the Great Reset. But then it's a conspiracy theory to say that they're going to use the pandemic to initiate the Great Reset. Right? This is how ridiculous this stuff is. Eva Frey, I, he's doing a great job. I, it, it's mind-blowing. But Secret Truth points out, here is... You, you, Yuval Harar, uh, Noah Harari, continuing to tell you exactly what is coming. He says, quote, people, quote, people are no longer part of the story of the future. That's what he says, quoted as saying, and it's not new. He's been saying this for a while. They simply have no role. Humanity 1.0, that's what we are now, apparently, is being phased out. And only those humans willing to make the transition to humanity 2.0 and join the all-new species of transhumans. Now, you have to understand, guys, this is not some... They're having entire think tanks with all these high-level people where they say things like this, and people clap, and they acknowledge that is the reality. And then when you literally point at the same group who are pushing in all these transhumanist things, or the injections they're involved with, or the rise of all the new future discussions, and they say you're a crazy conspiracy theorist. This is a real-time evolution of a dangerous thing happening while they're just hoping like saying it's conspiracy theory until it's wrapped around you that enough people will not look at it my god that is alarming now this is interesting he highlights this because i've always pointed out that i think the whole trans discussion not to argue that there aren't trans people and that they don't have that they have a right to do what they want with their own body as long as the politics aren't forcing on all of you i've always maintained that i'll even call what you want i don't care it doesn't offend me at all as long as you don't force me you can do what you want with your own body. I respect that. But the point is, it's weird that a small percent of the popula- percentage of the population ended up taking up like 20% of the policy discussion. Why is that? I argue it's because they wanted to normalize the idea of altering your body. I've said that for a long time. And in no way is meant to diminish what these people are going through. It's about using them. They're the ones using you, not me. They're using your plight to push what they want to push for humanity 2.0. I think it's pretty damn obvious. Well, here is the Fourth Industrial Revolution per the World Economic Forum, thanks to Wittgenstein. This is what they're telling you is coming. Not, not in a year, not in 20 years. It's happening right now. As Klaus Schwab himself has said many times, we are in the world, the Fourth Industrial Revolution right now. The very idea of human being some sort of natural concept is really going to change. Our bodies will be so high-tech, we won't be able to really distinguish between what's natural and what's artificial. Inside our own heads is the most complex arrangement of matter in the known universe. You 
might ask yourself, can we get to be superhumans? fourth industrial revolution right there like that they're saying that's what that is right i mean even klaus schwab is all about implantables and it'll change who you are right it's about all this stuff they, they've said it many times here he is what the fourth industrial revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical our digital and our biological identities the difference of this fourth uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing it changes you if you take a genetic editing right. uh, just as an example it's you who exactly. are changed yeah. and of yeah. course this has a big impact on yeah. your identity yeah. it is important to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity so people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. Um, the the uh, cut which we have now um, is much too strong uh, in order not to leave traces. Right. So who committed that cut? And why is he able to know in the very beginning of this that we'll never go back to what we had before? Even while all the media and every government screams that if you just take this injection, we'll go right back to normal. But he sat up at 2020, that's when that was, and says, no, 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 we're never going back to that because the cut that we committed is too large. I mean, how do we not say this? These unelected elitist technocrats walking you into this right now. Right now, they're telling you we're in the fourth industrial revolution now. That's what's crazy. Here's another example. The unelected technocrats of the World Economic Forum sitting around discussing casually the future as it's a foregone conclusion. Is this what you want? Did you vote for this? Becoming a cyborg? The when humans become cyborg session... You know, I, I always want to be a cyborg. I'm waiting for the day <laughs> to become one. But let's see. Like today, we like to really talk about the recent developments of brain-computer interface and how that's really blurring the line between man and machine. Right. And don't forget Elon Musk being a huge part of that, a leading part of that, even though he was going to save us all from Twitter. How'd that work out? Well, here's another example. Neuralink. Source, interest, interesting engineering, Axios on HBO, CNN. So the mainstream corporate media, HBO, all pushing this. Now, what, look at the difference here in hyping like this almost distant future, right? You could have this. You could be superhuman. It's amazing. That's what they'd want you to think, or at least if you're even able to do this. And it's not just reserved for the people that, you know, own everything while you have nothing and you're happy, apparently, or they want to force down your throat. But see, the average person has no why they would ever think they would even give this to you. Right? It's only the rich and the people that can afford it. They're going to be able to genetically edit and do all the things. If that's even what you want, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I want to run screaming from that. The point, though, is that this is going to be things that they do that they don't give the peons, even though they want to sell you on this idea so they can gain your consent now. One day, you could have superhuman vision. 
one day in a million years from now. No, like literally building it out around you right now for them, not you. Right. But the point is always to make it seem like some lofty future. Like I make that joke about the boys life magazine, looking at the flying cars in the back. You're going like, whoa, that's going to in the future. You know, it's like 100 years from now. No, you know, these things are right now. And that's the point. They want they float these ideas while they've already been doing it for 20 years, acting like it's in the future to get you in line with what they want you to be thinking. You could be a superhuman. Play your favorite albums in your head and download your brain to a computer. Though this may sound like an episode of your favorite science fiction show, Elon Musk and his team at the neural tech startup Neuralink believe that their electronic brain-computer interfaces could make this possible. Your neuroscience company. There's your future. That's what they're building for you right now. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this, this memes cartoon really kind of encapsulates where I think we are. Now, I don't know what percentage each one of these represent. Or the two versus the one. For those on the podcast, you have a literal boiling frog situation where you have a pot on the boil. The first guy, first frog, looking at his phone or whatever, he's holding a calculator. Says, my calculations indicate we're slowly boiling alive. The first frog next to him says, I don't feel anything. The frog next to him with a little, you know, blithe face looks is alarmist. <laughs> Conspiracy theorist. It's like that meme you have where the cow is standing in front of the other cows holding up an image that shows the how you cut up a cow, right? The different parts that you cut off and make it into meat and pointing at the farmer. And then the other cows are like, oh, Betty's at it again. <laughs> Her conspiracy theories. <laughs> like, let's keep eating the grass. Like, it's, you know, come on, guys. Like, it's a point in which we need to see what's really happening. And I know most of you do see this. This is where we are. We are in this pot right now. And it's not too late to jump out. We just have to realize that they're turning up the heat. Where we are. Now, I'm going to leave you today with a really great clip that I played uh, from Neil Oliver. That I invited on the show, actually. But it's, it's a good, it's about a 10-minute clip. So stick through it. Because it's very important to see. Because he makes a really great argument about the whole picture here and how we need to stand up never been a more important time to find that courage to step out on that limb and fight for what you believe in i love you all guys thank you for being here as always question everything come to your own conclusions stay vigilant it's hard to think the unthinkable but there comes a time when there's nothing else for it People raised to trust the powers that be who have assumed, like I once did, that the state, regardless of its political flavour at any given moment, is essentially benevolent and well-meaning, will naturally try and keep that assumption of benevolence in mind when trying to make sense of what's going on around them. People like us, you and me, raised in the understanding that we are free, that we have inalienable rights, and that the institutions of this country have our best interests at heart, We'll tend to tie ourselves in knots rather than contemplate the idea those authorities might actually be working against us now. I took that thought of benevolent, well-meaning authority for granted for most of my life. God help me. Not to put too fine a point on it, I was as gullible as the next chump. A couple of years ago, however, I began to think the unthinkable. And with every passing day, it becomes more and more obvious to me that we are no longer being treated as individuals entitled to try and make the most of our lives, but as a barn full of battery hens, just another product to be bought and sold, sold down the river. Let me put it another way. If you've been driving yourself almost demented in an effort to think the best of those in charge, 
those in senior positions in government, those in charge of the great institutions of state, those running the big corporations, but finding it increasingly impossible to do so, then the solution to the problem might be to turn your point of view through 180 degrees and accept, however unwillingly, that we are, how best to put this, being taken for a ride. When you find a stranger's hand on your wallet, in the inside pocket of your jacket, rather than trying to persuade yourself he's only making sure it doesn't fall out, it might be more straightforward to draw the conclusion you're in the process of being robbed. Once the scales fall from a person's eyes, the resultant clarity of sight is briefly overwhelming. Or it's like being handed a skeleton key that opens every locked door, or access to a Rosetta Stone that translates every word into a language instantly understood. Take the energy crisis. If you felt the blood drain from your face at the prospect of bills rising from hundreds to several thousands of pounds while reading about energy companies doubling their profits overnight, while being commanded to subsidise so-called renewables that are anything but green, while listening to this politician or that renew their vows to the ruinous fantasies of net zero and Agenda 2030, while knowing that the electricity for electric cars comes in the main and most reliably from fossil fuels, if you can't make sense of it all and just know that it adds up to a future in which you might have to choose between eating and heating, then treat yourself to the gift of understanding that the powers that be fully intend that we should have less heat and less fuel, and that in the planned future only the rich will have cars anyway. The plan is not to fix it, the plan is to break it and leave it broken. If you struggle to think the best of the world's richest, vacuous, self-obsessed A-list celebrities among them, endlessly circling the planet on private jets and super yachts so as to attend get-togethers where they might pontificate to us lowly proles about how we must give up our cars and occasional holiday flights, even meet on the dinner table. If you wonder how they have the unmitigated gall, then isn't it easier simply to accept that their honestly declared and advertised intention is that their luxurious and pampered lives will continue as before while we are left hungry, cold and mostly unwashed in our unheated homes. Here's the thing. If any leader or celeb honestly meant a word of their sermons about CO2 and the rest, then they would obviously lead by example. They would be first of all of us, willingly giving up international travel altogether. They would downsize to modest homes warmed by heat pumps. They would eschew all energy but that from the sun and the wind. They would eat with relish bugs and plants. They would resort to walking, bicycles and public transport. If net zero and the rest was about the good of the planet and not about clearing the skies and the beaches of scum like us, don't you think those sainted politicians and A-listers would be lighting the way for us by their own example? If the way of life they preach at us was worth living, wouldn't they be living it already? Perhaps you heard Bill Gates say private jets are his guilty pleasure. And how about food, and more particularly the predicted shortage of it? The suits and CEOs blame it all on Vladimir Putin, but if the countries of the world are truly running out of food, why is our government offering farmers hundreds of thousands of pounds to get out of the industry and sell their land to transnational corporations for use or disuse unknown? Why aren't we as a society doing what our parents and grandparents did during World War II and digging for victory? Why is the government intent on turning a third of our fertile soil over to rewilding schemes that make life better only for the beavers? Why aren't we looking across the North Sea towards the Netherlands? where a WEF-infected administration is bullying farmers off their land altogether, forcing them to cull half the national herd. 
those Dutch farmers are among the most productive and knowledgeable in the world, holding in their heads and hands the answers to all manner of questions about how best to produce food. And yet their government is so intent on scaring them out of the business that a teenage boy in a tractor taking part in a protest to defend ancient rights and traditions was fired on by police. Why do you think it matters so much to the government of the second most productive population of farmers in the world to gut and fillet that industry? Why? Why have similar protests in countries all across Europe and the wider world been largely ignored by the mainstream media, a media that would have crawled on its hands and knees over broken glass just to report on a BLM protester opening a bag of non-binary crisps? Why the silence on the attack on farming? And while we're on the subject of farmland ownership, why is computer salesman Bill Gates buying so much farmland in the US, more than a quarter of a million acres in 19 states at the last count, while simultaneously promoting the production and sale of fake meat? And why have so many small planes crashed into massive food processing plants in the US, sparking fires and thereby hobbling the production and distribution of yet more of the very stuff of life? Why is this happening to farmers and farming all across the hitherto developed world? Isn't the simple, obvious answer the answer that makes most sense and that is staring us in our trusting faces that power for the power-hungry has always rested most effectively upon control of food and its supply? Why are the powers that be attributing this to a cost-of-living crisis when everyone with two brain cells to rub together can see it's a cost-of-lockdown crisis, the inevitable consequence of shutting down the whole country, indeed the whole world, for the best part of two years, Soaring inflation, rising interest rates, disrupted supply chains. Might they be calling it a cost of living crisis as part of their barefaced attempt to distract us from the fact that while ordinary individuals face a life and death struggle in the coming months, the corporations have celebrated their share of the greatest transfer of wealth in history? Doesn't that seem more likely? However unthinkable, might it not be more compelling to ask why our government and governments around the world have effectively stood by and held the coats of huge corporations while those money magnets pulled almost all of the world's wealth into their already creaking coffers? Are our governments more interested in enabling, in aiding and abetting the rich than in lifting so much as a finger to protect our livelihoods, our ways of life? I'm only asking. What about the money in our pockets? Why is it getting harder and harder to use good old cash, notes and coins? Why are we being nudged further and further away from spending power we can see and hold and towards a digital alternative that exists only on the hard drives of the banks that run the world? Why is that, do you think? Rather than dismiss as yet another conspiracy theory the idea of cash being ultimately replaced with transactions based on the exchange of what amount to glorified food stamps that will only be accepted if our social credit score demonstrates that we've been obedient girls or boys. How about taking the leap and focusing on the blatantly obvious, that if we're not free to buy whatever and whenever we please, free of the surveillance and snooping of governments and the banks that run them, then we have absolutely no freedom at all. And while we're on the subject of money and banks, why not pause to notice something else that's glaringly obvious, which is to say that the currency of the West are teetering on the abyss and that one bank after another is revealed to those who are bothering to watch as being as close to bankruptcy as it's possible to be without actually falling over the edge. Then there's the so-called vaccines for COVID. I deliberately say so-called because by now it should be clear to all but the willfully blind that those injections do not work as advertised. You can still contract the virus, still transmit the virus, still get sick from the virus and still die of the virus. Denmark has dropped their use for under-18s. 
all across the world. Every day, more evidence emerges, however grudgingly, however much the various complicit authorities and big pharma companies might hate to admit it, of countless deaths and injuries caused by those medical procedures. And yet here in Britain, and just about everywhere else, governments continue to try and get those needles into as many arms as possible, even the arms of the smallest and youngest. The ripe stink of corruption is everywhere. I trusted authority for most of my life. Now I ask myself on a daily basis how I ignored the stench for so long 